guys, Story Squires. Whoa. This week on the podcast, we have chills, we have thrills, we don't have Christmas cheer because we've recorded on the 19th and fuck Christmas. Yeah, fuck I'm Christmas, so, man. I'm so fucking tired of this shit-ass holiday. Fucking call me Scrooge McGrinch because fuck <laughs> this whole fucking holiday. Scoo- Scrooge me- McFuck. <laughs> call me Scrooge McFuck. Um... Welcome to Story Lords, the comedy fiction podcast with two prompts, three stories, and infinite bumbugs. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you, Christmas. Fuck you, Tiny Tim. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you. Pull Jesus. yourself up. <laughs> Pull yourself up by your one bootstrap, <laughs> idiot. Yeah. Pull yourself up by your board with wheels on it, you fucking Horatio Alger bitch. <laughs> There's uh, a reference three people get. This is a good, show. <laughs> this is a good this one. Episode, this episode will come out around Christmas, so we added a little bit of a Christmassy type prompt to it, maybe? Did we? If we I didn't if, do it. All right, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I made myself a Christmas story. It's a one-shot. It's yeah. completely unrelated to Oh, that to was the pro- Okay, then yes, so, I did well, that. Well, the thing is... Jeff and I had a discussion uh, saying, should we do one shots? And we both said yes, and then only Jeff did it. So no, I, wow. I did it. I, I did, did a, Well, I thought I, I, I yeah, Rich yeah, fucking I was, uh, masters. By the way, <laughs> Spibsy told me to say, uh, fuck you, Richard, you stink. And uh, somebody else, Sean, I think, told me to say, hey, Josh, Richard stinks. So I get that uh, look, out of the way. If every if we're doing call out if we're doing like call outs, uh go to the Patreon and for the five dollar <laughs> tier. Yeah, you can you abuse me all you want. You. Uh, but but like was Josh wasn't even in the conversation at yeah, the time he and he it. followed the fucking prompt that you did. I skimmed it. Well I skimmed the, it. the thing is, I uh didn't start my story properly until yesterday. I just had a lot of ideas rolling around. Yeah, I gave him gold. I yeah, gave well, this man gold. I told I had, him that he should have them go back in time and be extras, be like stunt doubles on Kiss Save Santa. Yep. And then I had <laughs> Humi uh, has a dream where he believes he's where he is a human. And then oh, I was going to yeah. do a Christmas Carol ripoff, uh, which is yeah, going to be we a, all thought about a that. Film yeah, noir. that did cross my mind. <laughs> yeah, we all, we all were like, I'll just rip off the Christmas Carol. <laughs> Everyone does that. I mean, it would have um, been perfect for me. There's ghosts in it. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been perfect for me. There's Reese's in it. True. <laughs> He's in that, right? We you could have done that done. so easy. Had Reese's be the Scrooge? It. I thought he was going to be... Oh, I thought he would be all three of the ghosts at oh, one well, point. Oh, that's hilarious. Like, he would just be like, it's, I'm different this time. <laughs> it's me, the ghost of Christmas present. Weren't you? <laughs> no. No, <laughs> shut the fuck up. I'm a different guy. Uh, our, pretty good. Our prompts this week were cryptids and passages. So, uh, hmm. yeah, look look forward to that. Technically, uh, every bit News in the story is a passage. Uh, <laughs> That's true. We all did the first That's and the second true. one. It's true. So, yeah, so we, we all hit that prompt immediately. But we tried to it's put canon. them in. Um, <laughs> this week, Jeff's going first, and he's going to bum us out, apparently. So, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, so let's unwrap a trip to Spooky Vision. Oh, wait, that's too soon. <laughs> uh, I'd like to preface this by saying I wrote my story and I, I was proud of it. And then I realized that uh, narratively it didn't flow very well. 
Huh. So hopefully for this Christmas, you give me the gift of not fucking noticing. Anyway. You're not really selling it here, <laughs> oh, and I don't... Oh, look, come in. Ha- for the next hour, you have to listen to me. There's no, I don't have to sell An it. An hour? hour? Uh, 30 pages. Uh, <laughs> no way. It's 12, it's 12. Jeff's just reading his diary. Dear diary. <laughs> Dear diary, Patty Mayonnaise noticed me today. <laughs> Uh, the title of my story is Home for the Hellidays. Ooh. Nice. Uh, but in parentheses, but even worse than usual. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell Jeff's really looking forward to this. Yeah. Who uh-huh. isn't? <laughs> Excerpt from the final pages of a journal that was found inside a derelict car off Route 195 near Howell Township, West Virginia, dated this December already, 1967. This is already fucking terrifying. Yeah. I had been dreading coming home for the holidays since the moment I'd left from them last year. There had been an uproar in the area over the past few years that had seemingly put everyone in a foul mood, but I'd chalked it entirely up to local superstition and a lack of good television. Outside of Star Trek, The Ed Sullivan Show, and a third example of famous television from this time. Mike? <laughs> Mike Was that in the 60s? <laughs> I really wish I had taken it all a little more seriously now. It's kind of hard to explain. I arrived around 5 p.m. on the 23rd, the old brick building in the middle of town that my family had lived in for four generations, looming over me like a frail old grandfather extends his shadow over his grandchild to exert dominance, just as his body is about to fail him. Oh, nice. It looked like a giant pile of shit, is my point. (laughs) Definitely about me. I parked my Ford Pinto, the most reliable and least likely to explode car on the road one year running at the end of the curve. If you don't get that joke, do a quick Google search about the uh, Ford Pinto. It's a banger bit, I swear to you. I mean, search in the encyclopedia or whatever. Do your own research. (laughs) Literally. I was kicking snow off my tires then, so I didn't notice my mother run out of the house and throw her arms around me, sending me sky-high jumping out of my skin from the sudden impact. Don't you act like you don't recognize your mother's love. She caterwauled directly into my ear in that thick West Virginia accent that I'd hoped had purged from my memory. I was embarrassed to admit how soothing it was to hear in that moment, though, honestly. Hey, Ma. I managed to squeeze out from beneath her heavyset frame dangling from my neck like a weight harangued about my throat. A familiar feeling for anyone who has an angry bitch for a mother. Hey. Hey, don't fucking fucking judge me for that. You'll be agreeing with me soon, I bet. Just keep reading. (laughs) That's it? That's all I get for a hello? She dropped from my neck like a menopausal stone and glared at me (laughs) with a a practiced judgmental look that from the outside seemed too cartoonish to be real, like she was only playing with me like like a loving mother sometimes does. But I understood from a lifetime of it how real it could be. Not to mention the difference between a loving mother and my own. <laughs> this is rough. I raised you up from a little baby in shitty diapers, and I get a hey ma after not seeing you for a year. We've been dealt with these devils in these woods these long years to still have a happy home for you, and this is what I get. Uh, hey ma, I love you. I chuckled out in return. <laughs> she didn't sick. laugh. She never seemed to laugh, honestly. <laughs> and what's this? She grabbed the end of my scarf and held it up to, up to her eyes behind her extremely out-of-date thick glasses, which dangled far down her nose. 
You're wearing this garbage when I sent you one not last month for the winter? Where'd you even get this? Damn. My girlfriend made it for me, Ma. Her name's uh, Nancy. Uh-oh. I tugged the scarf back away from her and resettled my round frame glasses back on my face. She noticed the gesture and gave me another angry, cartoons, disapproving face. <laughs> like Yosemite Sam before he pulled his six-shooters on Bugs Bunny. <laughs> she hated me wearing those glasses. She said it made me look like John Lennon. That resemblance <laughs> being exactly how I'd gotten Nancy into the backseat of my Pinto meant that comparison no longer bothered me much. Yeah, back then. Back then, yeah, that reference yeah. is fine. <laughs> a girlfriend? You have a girlfriend at college? She took a step back away from me and peer and placed her hand on her mouth. Now, you might be picturing a doting look of approval mixed with the realization she was losing her baby boy on her proud features right then. But it was fear. Blind, <laughs> hateful fear. Hmm. She paused for a moment and I could watch the gears turn in her head. She was the scheming type, always one grand plan away from total domination of the social scene in town or one clever trick away from getting exactly what she wanted out of the other people's lives. She was the puppet master, and we were all dancing to her beat. What's this Nancy look like, hmm? She finally settled on her brilliant opening gambit. I suddenly knew what she was so worried about. I tried not to smirk, but I couldn't help it. Well... She's got black, curly hair and real dark eyes. Uh-oh. Oh, God! Oh, God, no! She began to wail out, throwing her hands up to the sky and calling out to God himself in her lament. My son's dating a colored girl. Oh, I could die. I could die. Just kill me now, red-eyed demon. <laughs> I think it's pretty par for the course that my family is bigoted to their very rotten core. Look at where we live. Look at where we're surrounded by our entire lives. PBS wasn't even playing Sesame Street at this point, and they would have had a heart attack if anyone on their black and white TV screen was a shade of gray darker than they were used to anyway. <laughs> so I hope none of this came as a surprise to anybody reading this. I could write up a lengthy defense for my family's backwards, hateful ways, but fuck them, honestly. The only reason they even still had a black and white TV was because they were so fucking afraid of color. I have no oh, defense for that's them. that's so good. She's white, Ma. I paused and let the sister Ooh. act calm down, and for my mom's direct long-distance line to God to hang up and give her back her ten cents. <laughs> she dropped her arms and shook her head, angry at me in this instance for scaring her, and not at herself for being an irredeemable piece of shit in public. <laughs> uh, Jewish, I think. I said without even thinking oh, about geez. it. Oh, jeez. It was a natural fact to me and everyone else at school, after all. She threw her arms to the sky and began to wail again, turning and running up the frigid front steps to the front porch and through the screen door, crying and screaming about her only son's betrayal to a quote-unquote Jew temptress, whatever the hell that was. I have to admit, that one kind of caught me off guard. I didn't know she had that particular flavor of bigot in her. I guess people can always surprise you, no matter how long you've known them. Do they call them Jewzabels? No. Is that Cut that out. Them? Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I took the opportunity to unload my suitcase. I pushed open the screen door with the side of my boot and caught my suitcase between it and the door facing just enough to slide inside. 
The screen door seemed like a newer one that had been there last year, but it was wound far too tight, just like every one that had ever been in its place before. <laughs> there was something poetic about that, I thought. A door you could barely open for a home you were barely welcome in. <laughs> you made it back, huh? I looked up to meet my father's bulldog face gaze as he pointedly looked me up and down. They got you sucking communist dicks down there for high grades yet, or do you still believe in the Constitution? <laughs> well, I'm not failing any of my classes, I said back in my best shitty sarcastic nice. tone. He didn't laugh either. He never laughed at anything except whatever passed his comedy on Gilligan's Island and when people hurt themselves in real life. The worse, the better. Ow. <laughs> he shook his head and puggishly flopped down into his old disgusting beat-up recliner that dominated the living room. Go say hi to your mother, he said flatly. I already did. Didn't you see her run into the house screaming like two seconds ago? I asked with genuine confusion. <laughs> it ain't my job to keep tabs on women folk. She could throw them hysterics to her lady friends. That don't work on me. Men's is too smart. <laughs> He said without a hint. Yes, we is. He said without a hint of a thought about the casual cruelty of saying something like that about his own wife. But then again, all the men around here did that. <laughs> right. I turned to walk back to the staircase beyond the living room. You ain't staying in the upstairs bedroom this year. My dad's voice cut through again. I leaned out of the hallway back into the living room to see his face. But as always, he hadn't even bothered to look at me. What? Why? I asked flatly, getting a little tired of lugging my suitcase around at this point. Don't whine at me, college boy. This ain't philosophy of commies 101. <laughs> you ain't getting a good grade for limp wrist and Lennon's old gray dick in my house. He Which yelled one, John out. Or Carl? <laughs> Carl? Carl Lennon. <laughs> He yelled, he yelled out, slamming a fist down into the old dirty fabric of his armchair. A spring popped up from underneath what used to pass for suede immediately. For God's sakes, he screamed in response, already forgetting me standing there. I turned and saw my little sister Maggie sitting at the bottom of the steps with a large book sitting on her lap. I walked the distance between us and knelt down to look at the title in the front of it. The South Will Rise Again? I asked out loud, looking up at Maggie's face with raised eyebrows. They're making us read it for school. I gotta do a report on it over Christmas break. It's like half my grave. <laughs> it's mostly about how the Northern War of Aggression split the states, but they're gonna reunite someday. She said without a hint of irony. I shuddered. They have, they have reunited in bigotry. Yeah. <laughs> West Virginia seceded from Virginia so that we could fight with the North, though. Why are they teaching you this stuff here? Fuck if I know, she shrugged. Maggie, watch your fucking mouth! Dad screamed from the living room. Maggie and I both shared a soft, silent laugh together. Why am I not staying in my own room this year anyway? I finally remembered to ask. Uncle Vernon's staying in your room, she said without looking up from her book. What the hell? Why? Because he and Aunt Ruth are having, she made air quotes with one hand, marital problems. <laughs> she looked up this at me with a rueful work. grin, the sibling rivalry bubbling up in the back of her malformed little brain. So Aunt Ruth is staying in the basement and Uncle Vernon's staying in your room. At least until the whiskey dick wears off. <laughs> Told you. Tough luck, co-ed. Maybe you ought to write a dissertation to get your room back. <laughs> Damn, got him. Man, not all this again, I said with a grimace, shifting the handle of my suitcase from one hand to the other. 
Why does everyone have to constantly give me shit for going to college? Everyone wanted me to go my whole life, and now I'm there? I'm a bad guy for it? Mm-hmm. She shrugged, looking back at her book. You're, like, too arrogant now. <laughs> arrogant, I corrected with a sigh. See? She gloated, grinning into her book. Check and me. The North <laughs> wins at the end. I spoiled as I walked past her. <laughs> Letting my suitcase bump the book in her hands out of whack as I went. At the top of the stairs, I peered into my old room, which is exactly how I'd left it last year, besides the 56-year-old man with chlamydia who was sitting on my bed, (laughs) flipping through the baseball cards I used to own with hunger in his eyes. I didn't remember leaving that in there. Hey, Uncle Vernon, I mumbled as I attempted to hurriedly walk past. Well, if it ain't the big-time college boy himself, back from learning how to be better than us on his father's dime, Uncle Vernon called out, <laughs> swinging his legs over the edge of the bed and shakily standing up to his feet. He what st- did college cost in 1967? $3? $2.50. <laughs> $2.50. <laughs> he stumbled across the room in the way only someone who was really experienced at trying to hide being drunk who was infinitely bad at it, could possibly pull off. A kind of uncanny valley of being fucked beyond recognition from sunup to sundown. Nice. I got a scholarship, Uncle Vernon. Dad didn't pay anything for my college. I said it a little more clearly. Bullshit. You ain't smart enough to get no money for scholars. (laughs) Uncle Vernon stopped at the door and reached a hand out to grab me by the wrist, yanking me close enough for him to put his arm around my neck. He, his breath absolutely reeked of an un- unidentifiable alcohol. Maybe prison wine? I hadn't been to the upstairs <laughs> toilet yet to check. <laughs> you alcohol. ain't all that. You know that, right? You little fucking peckerhead. You ain't smarter than me, that's for sure. I about trapped me the monster last month even. Bet you ain't even seen it. What? So why aren't you and Aunt Ruth sharing a room this year? I interrupted his ghost hunter horse shit, yanking myself free from his disgusting grasp as quickly as I could. Not that he could maintain an erection at this point, let alone a sleeper hold on a full-grown man. (laughs) Only one of us hadn't been bathing in gin every night since high school prom, after all. She, 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 uh, he stumbled, both figuratively and literally, almost falling back through the open door. Hey, fuck you, Brainiac! Get the fuck out of my sight! He turned away violently and stumbled back over to my bed, flopping down on it and causing a big wave of pig pen dirt cloud to raise in the air around him. <laughs> I hope whoever she marries after you smells a little better, I called after him, turning and walking further down the hallway. <laughs> My mother was standing in the bathroom, wailing at the end of the hall. I knew it before I'd even taken a step in that direction, and I knew exactly what she'd be doing as well. I stepped past the open door, and she immediately began to wipe at her eyes, as if on cue and fake blubbering into the bathroom towels. Mm -hmm. Oh, my son is wayward, Jesus. He lost his way from your light. She spoke muffled into the towel over his face. Over her face. Ma, Jewish people also believe in Jesus, I pleaded, trying my best to leave out the fact that they believed he was a pretty great guy, but not the son of God. (laughs) I didn't want her to go into full conniptions within the first five minutes of my visit. That's like a day two thing, usually. (laughs) She grabbed the door and slammed it closed in my face, fake scream crying at the top of her lungs inside. I stood silently for a moment, debating on getting back in my car and driving to a motel or something. Maybe off the side of the nearest cliff I could find. 
Yeah, at least until I remembered I didn't have enough cash on me to rent a pillow, let alone a room. And even worse, what if I survived the drop off the cliff? <laughs> oh, man, that's depressing. Suddenly the door swung back open violently. You're staying in the attic. Get out of my sight so I can think about how to save your soul. No dinner until your soul is saved. <laughs> and then the door was slammed shut again. I shrugged. The pull downstairs to the attic worked okay. I slid my suitcase up ahead of me just in case anyway. It had been a long time, pretty obviously since someone had cleaned up there. Cobwebs had pretty much taken the place over at the peripheries, and there were stacks and stacks of old boxes and busted old furniture laying everywhere against every wall. I stood in the middle of the room and tried my hardest to figure out where the bed was up there. Everything was piled so high and deep it seemed like maybe curling up on the floor was going to be it. But eventually I noticed a bit of a bedspread poking out from underneath some old boxes labeled Tax Filing 1958, an old marker across the side. <laughs> right next to a box labeled Cool Stuff Do Not Open that was filled to the brim with Tijuana Bibles and nudie illustrations. <laughs> nice. I'd check back on that one a little later. <laughs> it took me the be better part of an hour to clear off the bed, dust off its surface, and make sure there wasn't anything in the sheets, covers, or pillows that was going to bite me in my dreams. The entire time, I couldn't help but notice, behind an old dresser and a mirror vanity covered over with doilies and lace, was a door. It was a fairly what? plain old door, with a dim copper handle inset into a steel plate like they used to make back before the Great War. The house was fairly old, so that wasn't really the strange part about it. I spent a good amount of time trying to figure out the layout of the house and what could possibly be behind that door. To start Fucking with, I figured Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> to start with, I figured it had to be a closet, and that didn't have to be too big, so that was probably it. But then I noticed on the same wall, not 15 feet away, was a window with light streaming in from its muddy, hazy old glass. So that had to be a door to absolutely nothing, right? Just a straight drop outside. But for the life of me, I'd never seen the other side of this door from the outside. It was just brick out there. I had cleaned the bed off and laid down and was still trying to figure out what the point of that door was and how exactly it had been constructed so that it looked, at least from where I was laying, to be completely flush with the brick wall of the outside of the house, but was also covered by brick on the outside. It was at least taking my mind off my shithole of a family for a minute. I didn't even bother getting undressed or going back down for the dinner I'd been forbidden to join. Eventually, I just fell asleep. That night, I dreamed of the moon hanging so low in the sky as to swallow it whole, tinged as crimson bloody as any I'd ever seen in my lifetime. The, the sky was blackness everywhere I looked beyond it. It's kind of hard to explain. It overwhelmed every sense, and even then, somehow I could feel its burning hot gaze centered on me. The sweat I woke up covered in was cold nonetheless. I'd phoned ahead to let my old buddy Darren Shansky know I was coming in to visit, and he was going to get a group together to have lunch down at the Silver Line Diner in town. So I was actually looking forward to something at home for the first time in a long while. But that morning I received another phone call from Darren, letting me know that none of them were going to make it. What do you mean? The whole gang was supposed to be meeting for a big time catch-up, I asked, genuinely pretty shocked. There was silence for a moment on the other line. Look, uh, Indy, I'm sorry, man, but the old gang wasn't too turned on by the idea of seeing you, Darren said with a touch of solemnity what? in his voice. Well, I wasn't planning on fucking him or anything. What's the problem, I queried. <laughs> he didn't laugh. I was noticing a pattern. You've, uh, 
Darren started. You've abandoned them, Andy. Of course they're not going to want to see you. A female voice chimed in from just beyond the phone as if she'd been What's listening in the entire time. <laughs> it was the voice of my high school sweetheart, Emily Burbank. You went off on some commie pinko draft dodger factory and you expect everyone in town to bend over backwards to suck the red off your dick? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. What the fuck? I started leaning back from the phone in shock. I just wanted to get a good job and now I'm a fucking commie draft dodger? I haven't even been drafted yet. <laughs> Now look here, Indy. You ain't got the right to raise your voice to my wife like that, Darren interrupted, Mm. anger raising in his voice. Wife? I called out confused. When the hell did you two get married all of a sudden? You weren't invited to the ceremony. Americans only, Emily said with a sneer. (laughs) Americans aren't allowed to go to college? I asked, exasperation tainting my expression a bit. That does explain a lot. You could have gone to school here, but nah, you had to toot on off to Atlanta. You even sound like one of those big city boys with your dumbass accent now, Darren snapped back, his voice shaking. I can't help the way I talk, goddammit, I yelled back. Emily told me how you broke her heart going off to school, and now everyone here knows you're shackled up with some goddamn Jew up there, too. How fucking dare you think you could just come crawling back into this town after all this shit, Darren growled out. You sound like you want to throw hands, Darren. I snarled my best, most intimidating snarl. I know exactly how many times those hands have been up your own ass, diddling (laughs) the shit out of your jizzing gland, digging for white gold in your colon. (laughs) I told you that in confidence! (laughs) He admits it. The line went dead. I hung up the phone gingerly. Did you tell everyone in the goddamn town about my girlfriend, Ma? I asked with that frustration teeming over the edge of every word, knowing she would be eavesdropping just beyond the room. Of course I did, she snapped back, turning from the sink with wet, soapy hands holding a plate that was dripping on the floor like mini waterfalls to look into the hallway where I stood. The only way to stop someone from making the biggest mistake in their life is to bring all their friends in on it. We needed to be here so that, uh, to help you see that that slut temptress is dragging you from the light of God. Shame is my game. That's what Jesus said. Yep, that's classic In the Bible. You gotta be fucking kidding me! I screamed out, throwing my own hands in the air. She took a step back as if I was gonna kill her or something, even though I've never raised my voice around my parents in my life. Oh my god, he's attacking his poor mother now. Must be a Jewish magic spell on him. Aunt Ruth stood at the end of the hallway into the kitchen, literally clutching her pearls and making the sign of the cross over her chest. (laughs) I wanted to tell her how fucking stupid she was being doing a Catholic right as a Baptist, but I just shook my head and went on upstairs. Back to my hole, back to the attic. Hopefully that would bring some fresh fish heads for me to eat on the morrow, because I still hadn't eaten a damn thing since I got here. I managed to find a Twinkie in my suitcase that I'd packed for the road and scarf it down while sitting on the edge of my bed. In the distance below me, I could hear my mother's muffled voice frantically explaining how I'd picked up a chair and threatened to (laughs) suplex her like King Kong Bundy if she didn't stop loving God or something. I sighed. London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. I jolted to the sudden sound of soft voices just beyond my hearing. 
I looked around in the dimly lit attic for where it was coming from, but couldn't see anything. I moved from one end of the room to the other as best I could, considering all the detritus filling up the attic to its brim, but the sound didn't ever seem to come into focus. Suddenly, a cold realization worked its way up my spine. I knew exactly where the sound of the voices was coming from. I tried to rationalize, tried to work out in my mind exactly how I was probably just stressed, and it couldn't possibly be true. Darren's colon. But it was, <laughs> but it was true. The door. I felt something in my gut I'd only ever felt one time before in my life. Just a couple short years ago when I loaded up my Pinto with what meager belongings I owned and drove away from this house, seeing the figures in my family slowly regressing into the rear view until they were all but gone for the first time in my life. That sudden unmistakable sense of escape. I'd never felt it before that moment, a wash over me and floating behind my eyeballs. And now somehow I felt that same bubbling excitement at the edge of my reach, staring wide-eyed and slack-jawed at the old wooden door, half-hidden behind the old dresser and the linen-covered vanity mirror across the room. I frantically began to dig through the refuse that blocked me off from the door. I heaved old furniture out of the way, kicked boxes across the room, splayed papers out on the floor, heaved old chests out of the way. Literally anything that stood in my way was gone. It felt like it only took a few minutes. But by the time I stood face to face in front of that old rickety door, three hours had passed in my toil. I didn't even feel the fatigue that had settled into my muscles. Only the white, hot, burning glory of escape, of freedom away from all of this. It's a glory hole. My, my hands shook as I reached for the old copper handle. And in that moment, I couldn't really explain to you why. I didn't feel the gnawing fear just beyond the euphoric drive in my bones. I didn't feel anything except that overwhelming desire to open the door. So why was I shaking so violently? London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. The voices beyond the old door repeated their whispering melody, tinny and fine, like a brand new record first played, spurring me on. I twisted my wrist and the old copper mechanism within the door sprung to life as if it had been opened every day and not lain dormant for 50 years. The old wooden door creaked on its hinges, and the song became louder and louder the wider I pulled the door, straining my eyes to see around its shape into the darkness beyond. London Bridge is falling down, falling down. Indy! The shrieking voice of my father belted out from downstairs broke me from my reverie. I stared into the now wide-open door. I trembled at the sight, shaking so hard that the door handle rattled in my hand. Fear gripped me. Confusion washed over me like an ocean's wake. On the other side of that door was an exact replica, down to the exact placement of the exact same knickknacks, bric-a-brac, and old furniture I had tossed around all willy-nilly moments before in the exact places I'd left them. What? A cold wind drew me back away from it, my fingers slipping from the door handle as I stumbled away, fear gripping me tighter than it had ever gripped me in my life, overwhelming all need for escape that had been in my heart. Indy, get the fuck down here! The Reverend's coming over to do a new baptism on you, and this one better fucking take! <laughs> this one better take! Dad screamed up the stairs at me. That's how baptisms work. <laughs> fuck it. I rushed through the door. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like escape at the time. The instant my last step crossed that threshold into the other attic, there was no door any longer. 
I was left hazy, lightheaded, standing in the same attic, but not. But there was the heavy feeling of being watched in everything I did. It's hard to explain it now, but I didn't even feel the need to double-check if the door was gone. I knew it was already. I knew nothing much in that new attic, but I knew that. And I was pressed on by something. Curiosity, maybe? You watch these films where someone blunders into danger without a care in the world, and you feel that they're foolish beyond what anyone could really be. I remember thinking that as I walked down the stairs from the attic to go down into the house below. Everything there was muted, not just in color, but in the musty smell and taste in the air, the feeling of touching the banister railing of the stairs, the sound of the whispering singing even sounded further and further away. There was a hint of something beyond all this, something huge, something beyond what I could comprehend. It's all kind of hard to explain. By the time I stepped out of the front door, onto what should have been the street that I'd grown up on, I finally understood the largeness of this feeling welling within my chest. There was no street. Just an endless black void which stretched as far as the eye could see in every conceivable direction. Still better than what he came from. True. (laughs) Even damn. It seemed one wrong step and I would have plummeted forever into that widening abyss, its hungry, toothless maw awaiting me just as I recoiled from it. But above, there was something. Blood red and motionless, unlidded and unpointed, but ever watching. The moon hung there in the sky, full and round and near to bursting with the crimson its surface radiated and undulated from. The blood moon. I tried to step away from it, but there was nowhere to step. The house was gone. All that was me, the barely audible sound of distant singing, and the nothing that closed in around me. That was all there was left. The blood moon shuddered into the sky. I tried to scream. I swear to you I tried to scream. It may sound as if I marched happily to my fate, but I will do anything for you to understand that I tried to scream. But I couldn't. The moon rolled across the empty sky like a scarlet marble dropped from a hand onto an unseen table, and slowly following its course, as if from the rising dawn itself, was a second crimson moon, which arose beyond the blackness far beyond what I saw and sailed across the ocean of night to take its place perfectly aligned alongside its predecessor. Isn't Daranos? As if ordained by some cosmic understanding that that's where it belonged. I suddenly knew in a sort of cold blast of understanding that I wasn't looking at two moons any longer, each blood red and dangling from the nothing above me. I was staring and being stared back at by two unknowable massive red eyes which looked upon me like the gaze of the angry god I had been warned about my entire life. Nagilam! The, the, the blood froze in my veins and the beating of my heart became loud enough to rupture my eardrums as I met the piercing, violent gaze in the sky which peeled me away layer by layer as it drilled, drilled into my very soul. My body jerked through the air and I suddenly felt the rush of wind about me. I traveled further than anyone had ever traveled before in that one moment, in that endless hellscape, up and up at those red, hateful eyes that grew closer and closer and closer, until there was no difference between them and my own eyes. (laughs) I had hand-waved it off as local superstition got haywire. 
I wish I'd taken it more seriously. From behind its eyes, I saw the thing that took my body kill each and every member of my family in that old brick house in the middle of town. <laughs> there was no joy in it for the thing. It simply had to cover its escape. This wasn't what was meant to happen to it, but it understood somehow, and I did as well, somehow, that this was the next phase of its existence, like many before it had experienced. It needed a better way to warn people. There were two times since then I could parse beyond the eyes and feel and see and live for even a moment as myself again. Perhaps it was the force of will that allowed the breakthrough, but there's also maybe the chance that the thing in my body took pity upon me and allowed it. The first time I wrote a letter to Nancy, I told her I loved her, but I had a terminal disease. I wished her well and hoped for her to have a long and happy life. I wished that she would remember me for the rest of it and maybe to talk about me from time to time just so the memory of me wouldn't die as I had to. The last time I wrote this journal entry, I just want people to understand that I lived, that I wasn't always this thing. I was a human being once. Mm. Signed, Indrid Cold, December ah! 1967. <gasps> Indy. The end. No, the dog was called Indy. <laughs> Your name for the dog. <laughs> that was so Happy good. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. That was it the... wasn't a one shot. Fuck you. Hey, you I don't feel bad about lying. that now. You guys are dickheads. <laughs> You're the ones who had the conversation about this. I thought I was being original. I didn't realize Rich also said fuck it. Well, I, I didn't say Looks fuck like, it, I just forgot the conversation. Yeah, I weaved the one shot into my narrative, so I'm I'm a half step into it Looks more than like Rich. following the rules is original, boys. <laughs> Everything's coming up mill, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thrill Joe. <laughs> that was that, amazing. That was good. Thank you. Thank you that so much. That was fucking incredible. So now that's uh, the best story you've ever written, now, and that's saying wow, something. Wow, thank you. Well, now, now you all know sorta where injured cold came from. Uh, I like how he killed his family. Yeah, they deserved it. Yeah, they, they did, did deserve it. Maggie, maybe not. So yeah, bad. yeah, that was sad. Yeah, his sister. I mean, she um, was Uncle still Vernon, young. Though? She had time to change. The yeah. uh, there <laughs> there were. I I was worried several times. I like edited this several times because there were l slightly more blatant references to the time and place this is taking mm -hmm. place. Because this is um, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, in 1967. Yep. I mean, I think you, we we got it. <laughs> I just didn't want to. I, did you up. guys figure it out before the end? No. no. What, that it was him? No. No, did I you figure know. out that they were talking about the Mothman? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, figured, cool, yeah. cool. I'm glad you got that, but it still didn't give away what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well done, smart boy. Well, I'm so glad I get to go last and suck. No, no, no. Thanks, no, no. guys. You're the highlight. People are Oh, here we go again. People, people are fucking <laughs> skipping ahead of my shit to get the. <laughs> well, they're oh, fucking my. fools. They're fools. Every goddamn week we have this conversation, and I am sick of it. <laughs> oh, Dad's angry. We oh, gotta no. go sleep Dad's in the in attic. Dad's in his fucking suede fucking <laughs> recliner, and he's angry. If we're not having this conversation on the podcast, we're having it after the podcast. 
The only thing I didn't understand, Jeff, is why was Rich singing that song about London Bridges? <laughs> uh, there are no songs about the Silver Bridge collapsing, or I would have put that in instead. Oh, that's clever. That's why I didn't get that until now. I didn't put that together. All right. That's, that's the good. best story. Shut it down. Uh, your, uh, you, it feels like you focused on your intonation more than your description this time. And I think because of, you know, the I know what that semi-autobiographical <laughs> uh, nature of the piece, yeah. um, the, I the think original, that came the, through quite well. Thank yeah. you. The original draft of this was, like, far more autobiographical, and I was like, this sucks. This is sad. I'm going to change this. I need to make the characters more cartoonish. <laughs> Although they're all based on people I've met before. Yeah, I was going to so. say, yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that was good, dude. I love that. Thank you, thank you. It had much. it had our typical uh, halfway point where we went deafly silent, and then I forgot I was in yeah. the podcast again. But you know, it's that's true. As, as soon as the door showed up, I was like, "Oh, oh shit!" shit. Yeah. You would be forgiven for at like a certain point being like, "Is this supposed to be like a horror story?" Like, <laughs> no, it was, oh, it was it horrifying. Was, it, yeah, it, it was, was horrifying, horrifying in from a the beginning. Way. Yeah. No, it, dude, I was like, oh my god, like, like the un, oh, the uncomfortableness of uh, right. Ugh. How I how I uh, you know <laughs> settle those two things are like in a horror film, you are constantly like telling the character like get out of this situation, and in that story, yeah. I'm telling that character that's get true. out of that situation, what, just pack your fucking bring bag the and leave. Discomfort, <laughs> get out. <laughs> Yeah! <laughs> Technically true. Uh, right, shall we take a break and we'll Absolutely. come back? Well, maybe we'll come back. Welcome back to part two of episode 35. Copying what Josh said about a fraction oh, of a second fucking, before I didn't hear that. <laughs> trademark that. Um, it's part two. It's my turn now. So I'm going to read. Um, my is it episode. at least Christmas related? It is. It's got some Christmas references in it. You didn't follow any of the I, rules. I didn't. I didn't. I'm a rule breaker. What the breaker. fuck, man? You're usually the teacher's pet. What I happened? Know. I know. I've been really bad recently as well. And, you know, another story where I finished it about half an hour before we started. I think you need a good spanking. Yeah, I think we need to videotape it too and, and just have that. <laughs> okay, all right. So we oh. can watch it. I'll put the ball gag in. We can do um, our own spanking. My story It'll teach us. It'll teach us how. <laughs> That's what I mean. All yeah. oh, right. Okay. Yeah. You show me first. 
and then I'll yeah, yeah, I'll repeat will. it. Right, okay, fine. Yeah, my, I'll show you. I'll my, show you. my story this week is called Break into Electric Bigfoot Aloo's Big Christmas. Alright. He's what in the it. Fuck? <laughs> he nailed it. How are you gonna show us both up like that? What is the point <laughs> purpose of this shit? Well, first of all, yeah. First of all, fuck you, Rich. <laughs> Come forward. Grop walked to the dais, a smile as narrow as your average cop's reasoning for a random stop and search. A.K.A. A.K.A. <laughs> non-white? Sure. He had, like, they he, do that in, in England, too? Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Racial profiling is the basis of training for the Metropolitan Police. Yeah, it's, New York City's, like, yeah. infamous for it. Uh, man, black man with a backpack is probably yeah. like the like trigger for stop and search. Um, he had waited a long time for this. His machinations, his support of the Greywoods, his disposal of the last wrath. It had all led to this moment. And as he stood before the stone structure, he was f- left with a sa- self uh, left with a feeling of satisfaction that he had never known. He had paid a price for his weaselly betrayal with the first wrath. The last action of the previous pillar had been to injure his brain in such a way that now he could only talk in rhyme. Now, I know what you're thinking. Come on, Rich. That's that's a bit far-fetched. Well, my psychology-deprived fellows, have you ever read any Oliver Sacks? If not, I'd suggest you don't, unless you want to know how badly your brain can fuck up from a seemingly innocuous bonk on the head. I read Yakety Sax. I I was going to say that I read Oliver Sex, and I liked that a lot more. Um, Oliver Sacks. like the sequel to Oliver Twist. Oliver Sacks was the guy who wrote The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat and Awakenings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I never so, read it, but I know it. Yeah. Uh, like, there, there's guys that have, like, been hit on the head and, like, have complete aphasia and can't even Yeah, sometimes you get things. hit on the head, though, and you, like, know how to play the piano really. True. Jesus. The it's Flintstones weird. was a documentary? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Body, my pebbles! There was a... Um, that was there pretty was, good, actually. That was quite good. It was, There was a person who uh, was in a car accident and bumped their head, and when they woke up, they talked with an entirely different accent. Yeah, How the fuck why that, that happen yeah. to me? Uh, it- yeah, because our brains are like, they're dude. Our brains are fucking weird. Anyway, well, magic, I mean, we can talk about this magic part. machines that no one knows how they work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, where am I? Hiding as some hunched freak, his words, not mine, for the last ten years yeah. had been tough. Though it had helped him set up a side hustle in Shakespearean theatre. <laughs> <laughs> hump, what hump? Chase Grop. Do you accept the mantle that will be laid upon you? Jiren Greywood lifted the helm over Grop's head. He nodded. His word, his words? His actions echoing in an empty room. The realisation of the position was making him as excited as when two cousins meet for the first time in South Carolina. Almost. Wow. <laughs> Almost. you, South Carolina, catching straight. Oh no, step bro, I'm stuck in the cotton gin. <laughs> almost as excited as when he killed for money or for imagined slight or just because he wanted to his words echo uh, wait a minute yeah the chamber was as it was empty except for himself and the greywoods for some reason i've just written the random word echoed in my never mind you have aphasia you got fucking (laughs) it's a good word it's a good word (laughs) 
Jiren Grey, uh, Greywood brought the bear helm down onto his head, which squeaked unceremoniously as it went over his jug ears. <laughs> then, r- then rise our new wrath. Umbra Greywood <gasps> pressed a button on the intercom embedded in the dais. Send them in, please. The large steel doors to the chamber immediately opened inwards with an excruciatingly slow movement. And once clear, the other pillars walked in somberly, then stopped at the sight of the man in the bear helm. Meet your new Raph, Durin announced. The ward, the education pillar in the owl helm, was the first to break the shocked hush. The investigation is not complete on the previous Raph yet. Aren't we jumping the gun a little? Raph was a traitor, and at this time of war we need stability and power, Umbra said beside Jiren, her old lady demeanour slightly gone. She was standing upright, confident. You six will be needed in the coming days. Seven once we call in Rafe. The lion helm of the wheel, the religious leader, stepped forward. Of course we'll be needed. We, ha- we will have the defence of Alima to consider. She spoke with a disdain she normally hid from authority figures. Even she was irritated with the situation. It didn't matter how much she despised Raph. It was like losing a sibling you hated. It was complicated. Jiren... I don't have any, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, you'd hate him, don't worry. Jiren held up <laughs> Having a Having a sibling sucks dick, so yeah. worry about it. Jiren held up a if hand. If it's like you guys, though, I love you. Yeah, wow, but we're, we we're brothers by uh, circumstance, not by blood. I That's really a... thought you were about to say circumcision. <laughs> yeah. We all I mean, got circumcised. We're all circumcised, right? Yeah. Uh, Jiren yeah. held up a hand. <laughs> he just skipped right past that. He's not. You will be needed to hunt Kellen Amre and her band of traitors <laughs> through the time stream and bring her back unspoiled. The, the pillars have autonomy in the work that they choose to do, the writ, the law pillar in the Foxhelm said. He was incredulous. We're not a hammer to be wielded. We're here for the betterment of society. Jiren stepped down from the dais and rounded the stone structure to stand alongside Grawp. That was before one of you decided to kill General Amre. You are here for the betterment of Alima, and now you are answerable to Wrath. Who answers to us? Raph this isn't even close to a one-off. <laughs> Raph stepped forward and lifted his helm. <laughs> to the gasps of the other pillars, removing your helm was sacrosanct. Grop? The way, the science pillar in the stag helm, summed up the group's astonishment at their old manservant becoming their peer, not to mention his lack of hobbling and bending. How is this possible? The wheel that spins has many teeth and karma stings those underneath. When lines are towed and dues arranged, it will be easier to accept the change. Grop smirked and walked through the group, leaving them looking at each other in shock. So then's I said, Christmas it may be, but woman, you ain't half the man I am on account of her being a cut off at the leg cripple and all. So do yourself. What the fuck? <laughs> so do yourselves a favour and get back in that damn kitchen and make my lunch before I show you a taste of my arm foot. Deputy Gooch Clementine said through teeth that were. (laughs) I have a new favorite character, never mind. (laughs) Said through teeth that were a result of inbreeding and opening beer bottles with his mouth, an act he called Buddalingus. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. I I have a a different new favorite character. Budweiser, don't feel you can take that as a slogan or anything. I'm very litigious. 
<laughs> so what did Shelley say to that? In the car alongside him, Sheriff Brett Crawford sat, trying to navigate through a freak South Carolinan blizzard on their way to the three-day-old crime scene in their piece-of-shit 1968 Buick Riviera with the fake leather seats and the interior that made it look like the result of an Atari 2600 rough-fucked a wonky shopping cart. <laughs> I, f- I feel overshadowed by this descriptive. <laughs> The the state had never seen a blizzard like it. A monster of a white Christmas coinciding unnaturally with this crime wave. She said it was her house, and if I didn't like it, I could go live in the station with all the other undesirables. Gooch grunted. He did a lot of that monosyllabic communication. She might be my sister and my mother, but she ain't the boss of me. (laughs) That's, that's, how is that possible? It's possible. If, uh, yeah, I'm thinking yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, if you're your own grandpa, it's all possible. <laughs> Sheriff Crawford smirked. She'd probably make more money if you left home on account of her natural talent for renting out her bed to every man inside county lines. Maybe she can make some dollar out of your bed, too. You, you mean, <laughs> you mean like a hostel? Gooch squinted. Mm-hmm. Crawford shook his head. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Gooch. A hostel. What what started the argument in the first place? Gooch, snor- Gooch snorted. I'm having a real difficulty saying Gooch over and over again. <laughs> Gooch. Gooch snorted. She was sore on account of me losing my David Bowie knife. You know, the one with the naked <laughs> ladies on the handle? I told you before, Gooch. It's just a Bowie knife, you deficient. <laughs> David Bowie knife. <laughs> Crawford smiled before he saw something move up against the blizzard about half a mile up the road. Hey, Gooch, what's that up there at the police tape? Gooch lunged forward to see, smacking his face into the windscreen. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's way up in there. <laughs> Look like a couple of looky-loo kids to me. I'll load the shotgun. <laughs> Oh, oh shit. boy! Very realistic story. <laughs> yeah. Calm down, cock lumbo. Crawford sh- Crawford shook his head <laughs> as the car. <laughs> Crawford shook his head as the car screeched to a halt alongside two kids. He opened the door as two teenagers were peering over the police tape at the side of the forest tree line. The scene of Brian McGuffin's gruesome slaughter not three days ago. The latest in a string of five grisly. <laughs> t- yeah. <laughs> The latest in a string of five grisly teen murders. As the door slammed, the two teens turned around. Strangers in their small town of Little Happens. What? <laughs> little Happens. Nice. What are you nice. kids doing here? What What business is it, of, is it of yours? The girl responded with the kind of smug sneer only a young kid could muster. Gooch lifted the gun and pointed it at them. One was a dark-skinned male, which Gooch realised made him prime suspect already. And the oh, girl God. and the girl was uppity, and he didn't like that one iota. Best you Not a two. girl that's uppity. <laughs> a girl that has an opinion? I don't know. <laughs> Shit. Best you two's come with us, he said. Um, remind me why I came with you, Florgo whispered to Kellen inside the holding cell they both occupied, looking at a missing poster of the teenage boy, a teenage boy called Leighton Burns. Kellen pulled on the bars to test their strength. 
uh, because you saw me sneak out and I couldn't trust you not to narc on me to Oryx or Asher. We rifted here for a reason, Florgo, and I think these murders were it. This isn't Quantum Leap, Kellen. Not everything... This isn't Quantum Leap! (laughs) Not everything has to be a mission for us to solve. Florgo shook his head. He had a point. They had inserted themselves into a number of situations recently that they didn't need to to over the past four months. Not always to a positive resolution. Like when they accidentally showed John Wilkes Booth to the box office. Oh my god. (laughs) I was going to say, were they kill Kennedy? (laughs) Oh jeez. Florgo, you were the one that said I had to focus on morality. I'm just trying to... The door to the bullpen burst open and two trench-coated and sunglass-wearing fools entered the room and made for Deputy Gooch Clementine's desk. The woman slammed her FBI identification down, knocking over his Pan Am model aeroplane into the model of the World Trade Center he had ordered to commemorate its opening last year. (laughs) Hey, you done ruined... (laughs) Hey, you done ruined my model building! Over the other side of the precinct, making this one phone call, a man saw the scene play out and whispered down the phone, Osama, Osama, it's Marvin, your cousin, Marvin oh Bin Laden. God. Oh my God. You know, you know that new vibe you're looking for? Well, listen to this. Oh my God. That's the funniest fucking shit I've ever fucking heard. Holy shit, that fucking rolls. <laughs> I'm speechless. Ooh, I am lightheaded. I'm speechless. <laughs> I told you there was a bad joke in this one. Uh, that was a that fantastic was, joke. That was a good joke. Don't worry, deputy. Tin toys cannot crush steel beams. I... <laughs> It's better. I am Agent Asher. This is Agent Holgrim, the agent said in a vaguely Russian accent that Rich could do. Mm. (laughs) I am here for these incredibly stupid children. Asher pointed to Kellen and Florgo, their stomachs sinking. Crawford got up from the neighbouring desk and stood between Asher and Gooch, who looked like he might have been readying himself to say something that would have gotten him beaten up by this mean-looking woman. Names. Names Brett Crawford, ma'am. This is Gooch Clementine. We've been uh, Matt Jumpy bringing these two in, but there's been a string of mutilations. Full-on Last Testament stuff. We had to ask these gawkers some questions. Strangers rubbernecking at a recent murder scene seemed sensible to detain them. More sensible than these two twats, anyway, Agent Hallgrim gave the two teens the death stare. They're our little field agents, Sheriff. We're, suppo- we're supposed to gather some info without dropping us in it, but now we're having to get involved, don't we? You pair of bloody burks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy, what's with all that metal on your face? Goose- Gooch asked, pointing to the metal <laughs> plating all over Holgrim's head. Um, it, w- it was Vietnam, Holgrim muttered. They, they made me play Russian roulette with my squad mates, Bobby De Niro and Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> Took a shot to the face and had to have plates put in. Gooch winced. Poor bastard. I, could, I couldn't go on account of my totally real and not made up shin splints. Crawford did two tours, though. <laughs> Crawford hated when Gooch served, served vicariously through him. Ninth Infantry, mm-hmm. mostly in Hui. 
No way. <laughs> All Grim smirked. Oh my <laughs> god. Well, oh. you you did a good one. You're allowed to do a bad one. <laughs> that that was, good. <laughs> that was a Wayne's World joke, probably. <laughs> uh, I was in the 69th, straight out of your mum's butt. But enough reminiscing. <laughs> we need those kids. Asher stared at Crawford. He was as attractive a man as she had ever seen, and she lacked the nuance of flirting after spending her formative years in a demon dimension, which is how I imagined Lauren Bobert learned to seduce men. <laughs> <laughs> she was a hooker. She just says Beetlejuice three times, apparently. <laughs> then she gets uh, gives him a hand job. <laughs> I'll go talk to the chief. Crawford turned, abashed at Asher's staring, and headed towards the office in the corner of the room. Gooch grimaced. But Sheriff, the chief's gonna be a bit antsy given... I know, I know, but he'll want to know the feds are here. Crawford knocked and entered as Asher headed to the cell. You should be grateful that Humey is good at forging ID, Asher whispered. Does that say FPI? And why does it say totally real human identification underneath? Florgo asked. That's what they say. Florgo asked with a raised brow. Asher put the ID away with a huff. No one likes smart-ass Florgo. <laughs> Wild, guttural animal noises were coming from the chief's office, as ungodly as Holgrim had ever heard. Emerging five years later with a frown and a bloody nose, Crawford picked up his hat and coat. The kids stay here until the murder is found. Chief says, if you help, the kids go free. Fascists keeping harmless, innocent kids detained for no reason. Holgrim narrowed his brow. Sounds like standard police practice to me. Yup. <laughs> yup. Oryx took a deep breath and blew it out with a wide grin. It was nice to be out in the wild again after so many days of hiding away. It was beautiful. The snow-topped canopies of the trees reflecting the morning light. It made him feel relaxed, at one with nature and the forest. Yodelay hee hoo. Humi sounded loudly. Humi <laughs> <laughs> sounded loudly in his electronic voice that jarred Oryx and made his neck tense up. We are in South Carolina, Humi, not the Alps. Oryx turned to find Humi in full lederhosen and hiking sticks. <laughs> Oryx sighed. Where where are you getting all these costumes? <laughs> yes. I make them, Humi declared broadly, transforming one of his arms into a singer sewing machine. <laughs> Fascinating, Oryx declared. You are truly a versatile hu- human being. Let's tr- try to keep the yodeling to a minimum, though. We are currently investigating. Asher proclaimed the killings were all located in the vicinity of this Poe Creek Park. We need to find the culprits, or Kellen and Florgo will rot in a... Humi, what is this? Oryx bent down to find tracks, giant footprints in the soft mud by the riverside. They were faint, mm-hmm. but there, an effort to cover them up clear, but clumsy. Santa! <laughs> Four, maybe five <laughs> sets of tracks walking single file. Oh, Humi- it is. Sand Santas to hide their numbers (laughs) Humi bent down Looks like large footprints to me And you know what they say about men with big feet Do do, do you know Because I am unable to find any congruent data On this analogy (laughs) 
would you like me to scan for? A resonant clang sounded, and Humi collapsed next to Oryx, instantly deactivated. Oryx spun to find a group of ape-looking humanoids with clubs. Take him, one of them said, and the man-apes descended on Oryx, beating him into unconsciousness. Asher and Holgrim... This is either Bigfoots or just people who live in South Carolina. <laughs> Asher and Holgrim rode in the back of Crawford's car as Gooch played with the radio until he found a suitably Christian rock song that he liked. As the idiot tapped the dash like a drum kit, Holgrim fired a local localised static charge at the radio and tuned in to the Temptations classic Just My Imagination. Gooch, mm. Gooch then turned the radio off, complaining that he didn't like that sort of music. Oh, kill him. <clears throat> Please kill him. As Holgrim <laughs> opened his mouth to press him on it, Asher gave him a look that could have curdled milk and he stayed quiet. <laughs> the car the car pulled up at a small suburban house that probably looked more quaint than it usually did due to the snow. The four got out and knocked, only to be confronted by a woman with no teeth and judging by her vacant stare, no formal education or any cranial resistance to the lonely brain cell pinballing around her empty head. Aww. <laughs> Chef Crawford? Gooch? She nodded. Who are these this is two? An unbelievably good southern accent you're doing. <laughs> Who are these two? Fun fair make job cuts again? Well, this well. is this is what people in South Carolina sound like. <laughs> I feel like I'm there. Well, seems like the bearded lady didn't exactly land on her feet. Holgrim hit back, or oh, her hooves. <laughs> Crawford him. Crawford took his hat off. Gene, can can we come in? These two FBI agents have some questions about Casey's death. The woman rolled her eyes and wafted a hand in Gooch's direction. Girl's dead. What's there to talk about still? Y'all can come in, but Gooch... Uh, Y'all can come in, because Gooch can't stare at her rack anymore on account of that she's in the ground and all I have is boys left. At least the ones that the state hasn't taken off me yet. <laughs> Jesus, I've met this woman. <laughs> yeah. i never done anything inappropriate. Gooch started, but Crawford just followed Jean Browning into a ramshackle house. Mother of the year over here, Holgrim whispered to Asher. What I wouldn't wish for there to be some sort of internet in this time period. I could get the skinny on these people in five seconds. And immediately get access to some time-appropriate porn, I assume. Asher side-eyed him. (laughs) You think you know me so well, Holgrim walked through the door dodging the strips of flypaper hanging from the ceiling. Newspaper was laying all over the floor, but no dogs were running around, so Holgrim assumed it was for the kids. Lovely place. I saw a double feature on it in Stable Monthly. (laughs) (laughs) You subscribe to that too? Another example of time-appropriate porn, Asher asked. (laughs) Look, I'll read it for the features, Holgrim smirked, before turning to Mrs. Brown. <laughs> Mrs. Browning. Was uh, your daughter involved in any of this, uns- uh, any, with any unsavoury characters? He glanced at Gooch, who was picking his ear and then smelling his finger. I mean, more unsavoury than the civilians, I mean. <laughs> Her and some, a few hoodlums in the town used to hang around and get drunk on a Friday outside Old Pa Skillet's barbershop... Mullet over. <laughs> Mullet over. That's good, right? Come on. What? what? Would you? I don't know what you're saying. Go back, and, go back oh. and do this again. Maybe it'll be better. 
Her and a few hoodlums in the town used to hang around to get drunk on a Friday on a Friday outside at Old Par Skillet's barber shop. Mullet over. Oh, there you go, right? It's a mullet joke. It was too smart for the show, I think. Yeah, that was too good. It was too good. That's what it was. Hallgrim snickered. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely what it was. Hallgrim snickered, and Asher even smiled at that. Someone was buying a beer, but we never found out who. But that was every kid in town. Jean Browning sat down in her rocking chair and turned her stories on on the television. And now six kids in that group are dead, Jean, Crawford glared. He never thought much of the Brownings, but Casey was one of the best of a it was the best of a bad bunch. She had smarts enough to leave this town one day. She was gonna turn up dead anyway, seventeen years old, probably had more dick than hot dinners, and she had an unhealthy relationship with heathen figures, was giving every penny she earned that couldn't come into this that could have come into this house to every celebrity charity appeal going. Probably a bunch of scams. Man, Tell me about it. If I had a dollar for every YouTube personality that committed charity fraud, I'd have $600,000 that I could keep in a private account until I was found out and then quickly donate to an Alzheimer's charity to try and avoid the bad press. (laughs) (laughs) Paul Grimm stared at the camera knowingly. What a fantasy story. Paul Grimm stared at the camera knowingly, even though this was a story and there was no camera in the room. (laughs) Asher screwed up her nose. A charitable daughter. How terrible for you. I'm going to check upstairs before I vomit all over your lovely home. Asher moved upstairs and Crawford followed, heading towards Casey's room. As they walked through the door, they were met with a barrage of Motown, alternative movie and anti-political posters covering up the pink unicorn wallpaper she had probably not been allowed to change. When uh, most of these kids started going missing, I hoped most of them had just run away, Crawford muttered. You see why, of course. Asher nodded with a smile, then checked the usual hiding places. Under the mattress, rim of her wardrobe, in the secret compartment of her jewellery box... But there was nothing, a concern. Asher had not been allowed to uh, to be a usual teenager, but even she knew that teens, teens kept secret stashes. Stashes. Asher went to stand at the window, where a floorboard creaked underfoot, and as she turned, she realised Crawford was too close and was almost nose-to-nose with him. She, she backed away uncomfortably. I need you to help me with my rug. Uh, the one below, I mean. I mean under my feet. <laughs> Uh, the uh, number one pickup line of the era. <laughs> yep. I need you to help me with my rug. Uh, I know what you mean, ma'am, Crawford said, as he moved to tug the rug back, allowing Asher to locate a loose floorboard and pull it away. Underneath was a hollow, containing a small box with a month's supply of weed and a half of a phone number on a piece of scrap. JJG8038897. The rest of the note had been torn. Asher passed it to Crawford. Looks like phone number, with part missing. Crawford looked at it for a second, recognition on his face. Before Asher could ask him what it was, he looked at her wide-eyed. It ain't a phone number, although it's clearly meant to make us think it is. I think it's a trail marker. Kellen and Florgo sat on the bullpen bench, cuffed together next to a tacky white Christmas tree, sharing a can of something called Tab, and eating some Jello, <laughs> jello pudding pops from the vending machine. 
don't know if they had tab yet. Nineteen seventy. The yeah. the vending machine is a freezer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, whatever. Don't don't press the details too much, Jeff. I, well, they I, don't you call Jello gel jelly? Yeah. What do you call jelly? Jello, right? Yeah, we call this, Jello. This feels like when people. This feels like when people from Connecticut start sending me messages for after listening to the show. I'm not going <laughs> to perpetuate it. Don't worry. Uh, Jello Jello is called jelly. Jelly is called yeah. jam. Jam. Yeah. What is jam, jam called? What, they what don't is, have jam? it. It's got seeds in it. What? Oh wait, like no. Jam. That's just that's just jam with bits in it. It's just yeah. Jam. We call that jam. We right. call that jam. That's a lot of extra words to print on your label. That no, costs it's money. just jam. <laughs> yeah, uh, they just call it everything jam. Okay. Uh, I, I let let the gonna... boys be boys is what I always say. <laughs> I don't it's a call back to me and you talking <laughs> privately. <laughs> I I don't think we're gonna have too much to do this story. Floor go side. It's like the gods couldn't think of anything to do with us. <laughs> the gods. <laughs> I'm all right with it, Kellen said through a mouthful of sugar. About time some of the others pulled their weight, and you really are just an in-joke so far. More, <laughs> More ungodly grunting came from the chief's office, and the huge man was clearly pacing back and forth behind the frosted glass, <laughs> looking, big, like, <laughs> looking like some found-footage documentary of a shaved ape. The two teens looked at each other. On the other side of the bullpen, Asher Hallgrim and the two lawmen came into the room and headed for Cullen and Florgo. Any luck? With a family like that, girl might have just mutilated herself, Asher sneered. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> Makes me miss Demon World I was brought up in. Any news from our less conspicuous friends? Kellen shook her head, though her expression was clearly one of worry. They hadn't heard from Oryx or Humey for a while now. Crawford uncuffed the two teens and then looked at Asher. I think we need to just search the woods near the trail marker. If we have you with us, it might be a bit easier. Asher squinted and Crawford went on. Look, I know you think we're hicks down here and for the most part I agree with you, but I'm certainly not stupid. You guys ain't FBI and Holgrim's machine parts ain't from no Vietnam accident. But if you can help me... <laughs> I'll take all the help I can get. My document's frozen. There we go. They got oh. ready to depart, with Florgo not really moving, just eyeballing the chief's office. You coming, mate, Hallgrim said. No, you, you go ahead, Florgo rubbed his wrists. There's something I want to check here. Oh Oryx my God, aw- Florgo's going to do something. <laughs> Florgo. <laughs> Oryx awoke to find himself tied up in bonds so tight that even he couldn't break them. If Hallgrim were here, he would have enjoyed the sensation. But Oryx tried to wiggle free without them noticing, <laughs> keeping his eyes shut. The dear boy thinks we're stupid, that we won't notice a giant crocodile trying to slip his bonds. <laughs> a, distinct, a distinctly British voice came from the dark corner it's of the fucking, cave. What's his name? It's, oh God. It's, oh my God, what's his name? The comedian guy. I don't know. From England. Rich Rich oh, Masters? There there yeah, is it Rich Masters? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll figure it out. No, let's let's wait. <laughs> totally the guy from uh from uh Disenchantment, he's the pig. He's in he's in like everything. 
He no, talks no. like this. It's me, Matt. Uh, oh, Barry. Matt Barry. Matt Barry. Matthew oh, Barry. there we go. The guy from uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Yes, that. Yes. And IT oh. Crown. Yes. Oryx opened his eyes, and once he had adjusted to the light, he noticed four giant ape men sitting around a small table playing cribbage. One of them smugly put down his cards before moving a small piece on the board. And that's the game, fellows, he said. And Oryx noticed he had a small bowler hat atop his head. Fine, I have a new new favourite character. (laughs) Is this a Christmas story? (laughs) Fine work, Winston, old chap. Another politely clapped. One with a monocle stepped forward. Hello, sir. I'm sorry we've been forced to detain you. We just can't have the local constabulary poking their noses into our affairs until we're ready to reveal ourselves. Oryx growled. You will let me go or I'll... I'm extremely sorry, young fellow, but what is it exactly that you will do? Said Simonical. I was in the Boy Scouts. Dib, 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 dob, dob, dob and all that. Even Sir Reginald <laughs> Hoofsetter, Lord Captain of the South Chumbly Wumbly Knot Tying Association couldn't undo that one. <laughs> What the fuck? This is all real. Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> Spiffing reference there, Sir Thomas, an ape man with a thin pencil moustache said, raising a china teacup. You really How hit that an one. man have a moustache, Rich? <laughs> he's, he's got it waxed. Yeah, they're, <laughs> yeah. they, they're hygienic. <laughs> you really hit that one for six, old boy. How is old Reggie, anyway? That's a cricket reference, I believe. <laughs> Poor fellow got a spot of gout. Had to stop professional tiddlywinking. Sir Thomas pulled off his monocle and shined it. A dreadful shame, really. He's prostate with grief. Not dissimilar to your metallic friend over there, sir. (laughs) Oryx took the opportunity to twist, pulling one hand partially free from his bonds, his claws now resting against the ropes. He turned to see Humey, sat deactivated in the corner, the fools probably thinking they had killed him. All he had to do was to try and slice the ropes open and wait until the android could self-repair and back him up. What are you? Oryx growled. Sir Thomas smiled. A Sasquatches, Yetis, abominable snowmen, although that particular incident was worse, was Sir Malcolm over there. He does get a bit tetchy in the cold, don't you know? (laughs) (laughs) I hate these apes. (laughs) These damn dirty apes. These damn civilised apes. (laughs) The Bigfoot in the bowler hat bowed his head in shame. I think the current consensus is Bigfoot. We were experimented on by the Jerrys during World War II, don't you know? Those rotters were making cricket men and moth men and giant... (laughs) giant Scottish plesiosaurs. It was all rather frightful. We came home... (laughs) We came home to Old Blighty and the PM said we'd probably be more at home here, would fit in better in a place like this, that the Yanks would probably mistake us for inbred. (laughs) But apparently, these people aren't as stupid as we first thought. So, you decided to start killing children? Oryx worked his claws against the ropes, feeling one of the fibres starting to give. All four gentlemen Bigfoots, Big Feet? I don't know what the nomenclature is here. Stood Mm. and gesticulated wildly, (laughs) incensed at the mere accusation. There were a lot of harumphs and well-I-nevers and how dare (laughs) Bigfoot and big feet are not interchangeable. (laughs) One of them is horribly racist. Really? 
Which one is it? I'm not gonna tell. <laughs> why, why ever would we consider killing children? Sir Malcolm put a hand to his chest. Your school system will do a decent enough job of that eventually, no doubt. <laughs> Got us. And there are worse monsters than us in this town, believe you me. Humey stood suddenly. I have analysed their speech patterns and can detect no signs of dishonesty or ics, nor of adequate dental care. I believe they are telling the truth. (laughs) What an entrance. To their credit, none of the Bigfoots, I'm going with Bigfoots, it just sounds better, seemed shocked, and they just nodded wholeheartedly in agreement. (laughs) So... What are you fellows doing in Little Happens? Humie asked. Sir Thomas untied Oryx and bade them to join his team at the table. Well, dear metallic boy, it was happenstance, and now those murders are being conveniently pinned on us. We can't leave this cave, nor dare we try to find a new home. We just want to live as normal Englishmen do, as normal art and sculpture-stealing colonising humans. Is this a Christmas story? <laughs> I'm feeling Oryx, the spirit. <laughs> Oryx grimaced. He understood all too well the witch hunting that accompanied being different. I don't really agree with the last bit, but you do deserve to live. We have someone in our group that may be able to take you somewhere without anyone noticing. No! Humey stood up and flipped the cribbage table over, <laughs> then quickly grabbed the table and pieces and put them back neatly, apologising. <laughs> like, like, real quick. Yeah. Something has made me feel kinship with these creatures looking for acceptance and not to be seen as less than human, though I know not what it is as I am very clearly a stereotypical human. It is mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. enough that we save them, Oryx. We must save their very names. There will be a day when the courage of Big Feet falls, but it is not this day. We will fight them on the beaches in appropriate swim ni- swimwear. And if not now, when? And if not when? Humi looked blankly before weakly muttering, <laughs> How? <laughs> Oryx put a hand on Humi's shoulder and pushed him down. Calm yourself there, Braveheart, and let us try and tear race Callan on the radio. Florgo answered the call from Oryx as he was rummaging through the station chief's office. Florgo had taken this opportunity to do a little digging after the chief had sauntered off to the station bathroom. So far he had found bags of clippings of what looked like brown fur, along with two giant boots covered in mud. From the look of them, the owner must have been seven feet tall at least. Oryx, thank the gods, listen, I think the chief might be a Bigfoot. Oryx interrupted Mm -hmm. him. Florgo, the miscreant slaughtering these children isn't in the forest. We're with some people who saw a beast of a man carving the victims to pieces. He's a townie. The chief burst in with a guttural roar to find a young man going through bags of discarded hair and playing with his boots. He was a giant of a thing, and his crow magnan man forehead and underbite made him look like a shaved ape. He approached Florgo in a fury, and Florgo screamed like a toddler. The five of them arrived at the Poe Creek Passageway at marker 803897, a dark dirt hiking path leading in two directions as sparse as your mum's little black book and as long as your dad's list of reasons for leaving you. Whoa! Ouch, my pride. <laughs> I think, I think we need to split up. Hallgrim said, two directions, two teams. I'll go with Gooch and Kellen, 
and you two can go and investigate and maybe stop this sexual tension and possibly get off my back for five fucking minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I will skin you later, Horgrim. Asher hissed as Gooch handed radios to the team. Asher and Crawford headed up the track, leaving Horgrim, Kellen and Gooch to head down towards a canopy of trees that had created a dark passage into the forest. They walked for five minutes before the air turned noticeably sour. Ugh, smells like Oryx's dick down here. Holgrim screwed his face up. What was ha- down there? Ha- how would you know what his dick smelled like, Kellen smirked? <laughs> hey, kid, any port in a storm, Holgrim said as he pushed through the brush on the side of the path, only to be confronted with a scene he wasn't expecting. There, in front of them, was the splayed and carved open corpse of Leighton Burns. It was relatively fresh, no older than a day, and Holgrim was surprised that any wild animals hadn't got to him yet. Holgrim reached for the radio he'd been given and brought it to his mouth. Asher, get down here now! He stopped. The radio wasn't transmitting. He turned to Gooch and looked puzzled, only to be hit by the butt of Gooch's pistol. Holgrim collapsed to the floor, but out cold. Sorry, man. Must have given you the one that don't work, he smirked as Kellen backed away in shock. Oh, look, there's my David Bowie knife, he said, reaching down to pull it from the kid's neck. As it passed Kellen's face, she saw the initials JG scratched on the handle. The radio squawked and Florgo's voice came through in a panic, the sounds of clattering and crashing clear on the other side of the transmission. Guys, you got to get back here. Something's up with the chief. As Kellen tried to grab the radio from Holgrim, Gooch hit... Uh, sorry, from Gooch, he hit her with the gun too, and things went dark for Kellen. Well, it must be my lucky day, Gooch smiled, brandishing his knife and pistol. James Gooch Clementine, at your service. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Joey <laughs> Juicy Gooch Clementine. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I... I do not like leaving them, Asher admitted, admitted as they raced back to the station in Crawford's car. Your friend was pretty clear the chief is implicated in all this. Crawford hated to admit it. He always thought the chief was a good man, if a little blunt. The others can take care of themselves. They'll probably be heading back in Gucci's car soon. I hope so, thought Asher, as they sped towards the station. Kellen woke, tied at the chest to a tree in Poe Creek, Colder than a particularly snooty polar bear with far-right voting tendencies. (laughs) (laughs) What? Gooch was laying out black tarp on the forest floor, presumably for her and Holgrim. She tried to wriggle free, but it was no good. She didn't have the strength for the purchase. No use, girly. Cold saps the strength. Might as well just accept it, Gooch said matter-of-factly. Why are you killing these people? Kellen said quietly, her head still aching from being knocked out. I know what you're thinking. He be a sex pervert, killing kids and sticking his bits in the holes he pokes. Gooch, oh my god, Gooch Jesus, tur- I wasn't thinking that. <laughs> Gooch turned, smiling with a mouth half, mouth half full of disjointed teeth as he approached her with his knife outstretched. But I ain't that far gone. I was selling drugs from the evidence locker to these no-hopers and they threatened to snitch on me. I can't have someone threaten my job. Police pensions are ridiculously good, and I get to hit, maim, and steal with impunity. A sociopath (laughs) couldn't get a better job. (laughs) (laughs) 
That that's it? Kellen asked. You killed a bunch of teenagers because they threatened you? You're a grown man. Why didn't you just threaten them back? They probably would have backed down. <laughs> Gooch yeah. looked Gooch looked confused, sucking in air and then blowing it out again. Well, uh, uh I mean to say that they Shut up, that's why. <laughs> God in heaven, why do you all put oh you punk kids think you're smarter than me? Maybe because you have your deputy badge on upside down, she said. <laughs> As Gooch looked down at his chest, Kellen lifted her knees sharply into his face, sending him, fl- sending him flying back into the mud. She took the chance to try and open a rift under him, but her head pounded, and all she managed to do was open a portal roughly the size of a small coin beneath him before almost passing out. Gooch got up to his feet and spat teeth into his hand. My budalingus teeth, he bellowed. <laughs> before... <laughs> God, it came back. Before approaching Kellen with the knife outstretched, I'm going to enjoy this. Then Kellen realised she didn't have to open a big portal, did she? She concentrated and then relaxed, and suddenly Gooch stopped in his tracks. He drooled profusely, his eyes glazing over as if he were drunk. Then he fell face forward into the mud dead. Opened it in his head. Tally-ho! Her Majesty's Big Feet Brigade are here! (laughs) (laughs) A a voice sounded as Oryx and Humey, along with four random ape men, burst through the tree line, only to then stand around with nothing to do and look confused. (laughs) Guest starring Humey and Oryx, announced Humey. (laughs) God damn it. Oryx Oryx sighed again, then went to Kellen to untie her. We arrived as expeditiously as we could. The Big Feet needed to prepare their battle cries. Then they had a vote, and it turned out to be quite a contentious issue. I take it that was our killer. Whatever did you do to him? Kellen pushed the ropes off and hugged Oryx in thanks. I realised a small portal could do just as damage as a big one in the right area, so I rifted a section of his brain about 50 miles north. (laughs) Imagine you're chilling 50 miles north. (laughs) What the fuck? What is this shit? Merry Christmas, Humey announced, carrying Holgrim. <laughs> there it is, okay. there it is. Oh my god. It was a few hours before Crawford brought Asher and Florgo back from the precinct, and to his credit, Crawford only screamed and pointed his gun and accidentally fired it at the sight of the four big feet once, which marked him as one of the greatest policemen that had ever lived. <laughs> Kellen had been explaining that the likelihood of the Big Feet being caught if they stayed together was four times as likely, but the men were adamant they stay together. As she sent them to a more remote part of the United States, they all exited with choruses of Cheerio and Ta-Ta. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking stupid. Uh, (laughs) Crawford brought Asher to one side and kept his voice low. Uh, I assume you have to go. Yes, we have other places, other timelines to visit. Asher kept her eyes down, not wanting to look him in the face. How will you explain all this? He smirked. Aneurysm? His prints are all over the knife, and the cut patterns are from that knife, clearly. Might be in line for a promotion, thanks to you guys. Asher kissed him on the cheek. You're better better at this than you think, Brett Crawford. Keep helping people. The police need more men like you. You ever come back to this timeline, you look me up, you hear? Crawford said as a, as Kellen opened a rift behind them. Asher nodded and walked over to her sister, a tear in her eye. 
Holgrim nudged Florco. Hey, mate, whatever happened with that police chief? Uh, I, I thought he was suspicious. He had the gait and the forehead, the hair, the general demeanour of a vicious cryptid. He was angry and sweaty and furious at my existence and threatened to kill me at any point. Florgo shrugged. Turns out he was just a usual policeman. <laughs> they all walked. They all walked through the portal and Kellen closed it slowly behind them. God bless us, everyone! Hughie shouted. <laughs> Oryx side one final time. The end. Oh my god. It's my new favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> this is right up there with Rudolph. Uh, uh, probably some other Christmas Home things. Home Alone 2 at least. Yeah, definitely. Miracle and whatever the fuck street. 69th Street. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Man. <laughs> wow. That was great. Was... I don't think you followed any of the rules. No, I didn't. No, you absolutely did. I didn't. It was Christmas. Where was the passage? There, there was uh, the Poe Creek Passage was where the last body yeah, was that's found. that's right, yeah. yeah. I don't in, believe you. It was in a canopy of the <laughs> trees. <laughs> Jeff, you've got to listen. <laughs> uh, I, I just want to know where Marvin Bin Laden is. <laughs> What's Marvin been up to? Oh, who knows, Rich man. warned us. That he was doing a I, very bad taste joke. And I, I was still not ready for it. <laughs> bad? That was not. That was the fucking... I, that dude. might be the uh, <laughs> fucking apex of the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Osama Bin Laden Back to the Future <laughs> joke is my uh, Citizen Kane. It's magnum opus material. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> He's listening to... I don't know. <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh yes, oh yeah, okay. Oh, I got genuinely <laughs> lightheaded laughing. Like fucking joke, right? Oh jeez. Uh, yeah, there were two that I was slightly, you know, should I keep that in that and the uh, obvious charity for a joke, and I felt that both of them had a place in that story because of You're Christmas. Fine. That was a 10 out of 10 fucking story, Thank you. and you didn't even yeah. follow the thing we were I, supposed to I do. Didn't. So I did yeah. good job. Yeah, maybe somebody will write a Christmas story next time. Look, mine was a Christmas story. <laughs> mine was a Christmas story. That is what story. Christmas is like for me. <laughs> look, look. It, it, much like Die Hard, if it happens at Christmas, it's a Christmas film. <laughs> I'm still kind of like, does it snow in South Carolina? I guess I it does. I, I guess it, it has. It has, but it was a freak, yeah. freak blizzard. Yeah. It's pretty tropical down there, man. I like, got- well, I gotta be honest. Like, part of the reason there was gonna be snow originally was because I was gonna make them abominable snowmen, and then I forgot to take that out. And then I was like, uh, <laughs> I can't really be bothered to take that out. Whatever, it's fine. Lords, it's fine. lords, don't edit. Look, yeah, I've set so many stories in a state I've never stepped foot in, and I've gotten everything wrong about the state. So yeah, don't fine. worry about it. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, the ape men, the British big feet, will never come back. No. <laughs> I mean, who knew the Nazis made them? <laughs> I mean, the British would blame the Nazis for making them, even if it wasn't true, right? That's true. The well, British made you know. them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a that was a big thing Hitler wanted to do was make an ape man army. Yeah. So it fits the in Russians pretty perfectly. They tried to do it. They tried to do it mm-hmm. too. They love that shit. Yeah, making super soldiers. 
Yeah. That they could control. Humansies. Mm. <laughs> Humansies. Orangu men. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right. What's crazy is, like, at the end, <laughs> when uh, Omar bin Laden was... <laughs> Standing at the ruins of the World Trade Center, and he says, You blew it up! You goddamn dirty ape men! It was totally the ape men, guys. <laughs> oh, right. Check out Building 7. Do your own research. <laughs> Should we take a break? Come back for our last part? Sure. Yeah. I'm ready, I'm ready. Right, we'll be back. How have you enjoyed your Christmas story so far? Totally appropriate and Christmassy? Yeah, I thought so. I thought 100%. so. 100%. <laughs> Can we so. fire Rich? Has that been brought up? <laughs> Who would do this? Who would start the show? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I start all the other ones. Yeah, I can't do it. I they mean, won't let me. You can't. You can't do that. You just no, can't. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you can't. You can't. It's not a writer. I can't make up a new intro every single time, even though I already have an intro. I <laughs> no, couldn't well, do Rich, that. Rich, did you hear him today? He was fucking ready for all these wonderful Christmas stories. <laughs> and speaking of, let's go to our third <laughs> Christmas story, Christmas right. you know in what's funny? Darinos. <laughs> you know what's funny? It's not called Christmas. <laughs> I knew... I fucking knew it was not going to be called Christmas. I know, I know, because this is the thing. I, th- you will, you will pretend that I have done yep. something wrong, and you yep. are just as big a culprit. I knew it's it. Called I knew it. Deflecting. It's called it's comedy. Called is what it's called. Get it's called projection and deflection. Get this is this is the Happy <laughs> Holiday special. <laughs> yeah, it is. Just it is. wait. All right. My story this week is called A Very Darinos Holiday, colon, Battle at Crash Canyon. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That sounds cool. A quiet whoosh washed over Darinos as the wind softly cut through the pussy willows. The BBWs, big blowing willows, <laughs> rocked back and forth <laughs> like corn dogs on sticks. Or like when you use your peener to knock on someone's door because it makes a louder noise than your fist. TRD, TRGWs love this one weird trip. <laughs> <laughs> a single snowflake fell as the weather began to chill. The streets of Grawl were silent. Everyone was inside by their hearths, probably drinking cider or doing it doggy style or something. That's the, the Christmas, Christmas style. <laughs> Christmas style. The cold only highlighted the quiet as a shadowy figure skulked on the rooftops. 
On his back was a hefty sack, just like the one your dad carries around <laughs> after I'm done with your mama because she ain't giving him no doggy style for the holidays because I satisfied her sexual needs so completely. Wow. <laughs> this this sounds shadow- true. <laughs> the shadowy figure grunted as he dropped the satchel and hit the roof with a thud. <gasps> with a start, Tina awoke in her bed. Her eyes were wide as as she mostly was pretending to be asleep. The excitement of the eight days of Jonica had been her source of insomnia. (laughs) Had been her source of insomnia for a week, and this, the seventh night of Jonica, promised to be a real humdinger. Everyone knows you get the best best presents on the seventh day. Breast. Breast presents. Tina listened closer. Maybe she had imagined the noise on the roof. Jonica, of course, being one of the most celebrated holidays in Terranos, one whose history is said to go back to an ancient mechanized city of advanced peoples who lived by the waters of the Smellaware River. <laughs> a, diver- a diverse people said to eat the flesh of animals with yellow cheese and who would crush any and all hitchhiking automobots atom- that entered the city. <laughs> Go birds, fuck Dallas. <laughs> I feel like the fucking Hitchbot joke was there just for me. <laughs> Dude, Hitchbot, we're doing everyone a favor. Fuck you, robots. I agree now. I agree Hitchbots so hard. Hitchbots now know not to come here, so. <laughs> Thud! Another noise, a little louder, louder and farther toward the living room this time. I fucking knew it, Tina Whisper yelled <laughs> as she shot upright in bed. She quickly pulled off her little Dickensian sleeping hat to reveal two pointed ears that were now twitching in anticipation and searching for more auditory evidence of him. She quickly grabbed a candle and lit it with what little magic she knew. Slowly, she crept out of her room trying to anticipate and avoid any creaking floorboards. If her moms knew she was out of bed, they'd surely put her back to bed and maybe even use some sleeping powder on her that her mom, Trudy, took sometimes at night to, quote, (laughs) Make the all sea balls go calls go away. <laughs> hey, parents used to give their kids heroin when they had a fucking sinus infection, yep. so I don't want to hear any pissing and moaning. <laughs> Trudy and Judy are doing their best. Trudy and Judy. <laughs> Tina crept quietly into the living room, where the seven of the, where the seven of the eight Jonica bongs were lit, <laughs> making the room glow in a festive green haze of Mary Dankman. <laughs> wow. Tina slowly looked over the couch, her eyes squinting to see. There he was, in all his hairy glory. <laughs> Reese's claws! Tina whispered, shouted. <laughs> Oh, oh, fuck my, my dick holes. Oh, you sh- oh. The figure said as it bolted upright. It turned around to reveal an eight-foot-tall something covered in black and brown hair from head to toe. Tina could barely make out his yellow eyes and yellowed teeth. Oh, yes, it's me. <coughs> Reese's claws to- <laughs> here to inspect. Yes, it's inspect your presence this year, little... Tina, she replied in excitement. I didn't know you were so hairy, Reese's. I always thought you were an elderly old man with some kind of heavy metal poisoning. She 
Now hold on a minute, Reese's shouted at his all sea ball from inside his castle's living room. <laughs> I'm going to get my advocate on the all sea horn and sue the pants off of these writers. This is libel bordering on slander, <laughs> bordering on hot goss, bordering on pure hair- hearsay. <laughs> he, sat, he said as he sat next to a giant vat of liquefied silver metal with quicksilver written on the side. <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, well, time to go stand in the middle of the aisle of the grocery store and then, and then use the self-checkout lane with two full carts of groceries. Oh, God, if a character lives long enough, you see them become the villain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, little Tina, it's, it's me, Reese's Claws. Like I said, just packing up these gifts here so that I can check if they are... Uh, Worthy of Johnmas or whatever I call this holiday, <laughs> the figure said. No notes. <laughs> Tina squinted suspiciously, but after giving it two milliseconds of thought, she decided that was plausible because all kids are dumb as fucking rocks. Yep. <laughs> that one was for Rich. Rich felt that in his bones. Yep. My son. Okay. <laughs> no, go, go on, go on, go on. I'll tell you after. Okay, okay. Okay, she said excitedly. Reese's, don't forget to drink your beer and cocktail onions, Tina said, <laughs> pointing over to a glass of warm beer and some old cocktail onions in a jar. Oh, yes, thank you, little Tina. I would, wouldn't want to miss out on those. <laughs> the figure said, pretending to take the jar. Are you going to go up the chimney now? Tina said, clapping her hands and hopping up and down. <laughs> sure, the figure said, hiding his lock-picking set in his black fur. That is definitely the way I came in, and definitely the way I'm going to leave. <laughs> Tina's smile was wider than a, a Batman character hopped up on Smilex. <laughs> <laughs> She was breathing heavily through her teeth, <laughs> watching, quote, Reese's Claws try to fit up the chimney. Oh, fuck me. This is this is how the dad died in Gremlins, he said as he struggled <laughs> to get his legs under him to push himself up into the chimney. Do you need any help? Tina shouted up the chimney. No, no, Tina. Reese's Claws has this. Just go. Just go back to bed like a good little elf, for fuck's sake. This this fucking sucks. This is worse than crawling out of your sweet mama's love hole. Dirtier, too. And way more carcinogens. <laughs> like, I was just Bane now. It, it, was, it was treading towards Bane for a while. <laughs> fucking Bane. Tina lay her head back down on the pillow and closed her eyes. Good night, Reese's Claws, she whispered as she fell into a peaceful sleep, knowing that the next day, Reese's will have inspected her gifts and made sure they were perfect. <laughs> hey, wait a minute, she shouted in sudden realization. Twelve hours later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, angels, the city needs you to uh, find uh, this so-called Jonica Jester. This mook has been stealing gifts from all over the city, Mayor Joey Pizza said <laughs> through his all-sea ball. I voted for him. <laughs> <laughs> Not my mayor. Mayor Pizza, please stop calling us your angels, Sid said with a sigh. <laughs> I kind of like it, Peppercorn said. 
No can do, Sido, Mayor, P- Mayor Pizza went on. This is too important a case for me to start changing up traditions. Besides, I already got Gary to be your Bosley. <laughs> <laughs> Gary waved from the corner wearing a tie and jacket with a balding man's wig skull cat. <laughs> I'm helping, he said. <laughs> Find this here pilfering piece of piss and quick, Joey went on. I won't have my first Jonica ruined before the first Atomabot beating even starts. Get it done, angels. <laughs> With that, he shut off the all-sea ball. Who would like steal presents from little kids on Jonica? Chick P asked as she hey. let out a long puff of Daranosian danks from, dank from her little pipe. I mean, I can see stealing presents from, like, princes and kings, but but little kids? They don't even have any good loot, she went on. <laughs> Unless they're rich kids, in which case... Hmm. <laughs> she took a long, thoughtful drag of dank and squinted her up, clearly plotting eyes. Flamingos! Flamingos, please help! A little girl's voice shouted. Suddenly, a little elven girl burst through the door of the Flamingos' secret hideout, LLC. Please help, Flamingos! She said, panting out of breath as she leaned against the bar stool. Hey, kid! You 21? Fred asked sternly. <laughs> I'm, I'm 12, Tina said. Close enough, Fred replied as he went back to washing dishes. <laughs> Slow down, little girl. First things first. What's your name, Sid said, trying to calm this little yapping puppy child. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tina, she said, if she, as if he was supposed to know that. Hey! Oh, wait, wait. Hey, Tiny Tina, I get it, Chickpea said from across the room. <laughs> I know, she sighed out of breath. I know who's been stealing all the presents. Gary gasped over dramatically. Another case solved. Well done, angels, he said. <laughs> Who? Who is taking the gifts, said, said, with a smile humoring her. It was Bugfoot. <laughs> Oh. oh my god, two Bigfoot stories? <laughs> no, this is Bugfoot. It's okay, different. this is different. This is different. <laughs> Gary gasped over dramatically. I have never heard of him, but I assume this is a big deal. <laughs> Bugfoot is not real, little girl. In all my years of cryptozoological research, I have never seen a compelling argument to suggest such a monster could or does exist. Peppercorn said condescendingly. Besides, Bigfoot? Sure, they're all over the place. Bugbears? Sure, they sometimes wander into cities and lick street signs or do whatever weird-ass shit they are into. But Bugfoot? (laughs) Boy, do I have a new Urkel-esque character that would get along with Peppercorn. (laughs) I saw him, Tina said defiantly. I saw him dressed as Reese's Claws, and he stole my presents. My mom said they got me Crash Canyon, the board game where you drive monster trucks up a mountain. (laughs) I believe her, Chickpea said, not even looking over. (laughs) Can you describe him, Sid said, taking mental notes? Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Tina sat down at the bar and took out a colorful, colorful quill and began to draw on those bar things that have ads on them. Oh, yeah, I don't know what those are called. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think they're called placemats, but they're paper. Oh, yeah, the ones they stick on the bar to keep the bar from getting all yeah, sticky so and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they're too cheap to buy, like, uh, Yeah, because they're not real. Yeah. Right. He looked like this, she said as she held up a blackened furball of a creature complete with yellow eyes and teeth. Sid examined the sketch. Well... That sure doesn't look like Reese's claws, he said, flipping the picture upside down. <laughs> yeah, Tina agreed. Plus, he smelled like hot piss and regret. Tina quickly grabbed the picture, adding stink lines. I mean, <laughs> so it could be Reese's. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Somewhere in his castle, Reese's himself was still watching this holiday special on the All Sea Ball. <laughs> oh, come on, he shouted. <laughs> This is just pure haterade at this point, he said, <laughs> squirting a tube of canned cheese into his mouth but missing, causing most of it to go into his now orange beard. Uh, if I wasn't busy with magic, I'd go on the all-sea book and post the most true and scathing post about the so-called Joey's Angel. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, a scream echoed from outside. Eee! Help! Someone stole my kid's round wheel and stick-pushing game! A woman shouted. <laughs> oh, they've gone too far now. It's the technology. It's too much. <laughs> Both Fred and Sid shot up and bolted out the door. There on a roof tro- rooftop across the way, they saw a black figure with a hulking sack duck out of sight. <laughs> Both men looked at each other and nodded. Sid took off toward the fire escape while Fred who never skipped leg day, did a power <laughs> salt up onto the roof in one bound. Sid soon arrived at the rooftop and unsheathed socks. Fred ran toward the figure and slid to a stop as the roofway gave way to the streets below. On the streets, the mob was already gathering around for the Atomabot hunt and hitchhiker <laughs> roundup. <laughs> the figure leapt from rooftop to rooftop like he was Neo and John Wick. Does he do much leaping? In a Darados version, name? it's the whole. It's like the whole movie. It's his name. It's the entire movie, Rich. I think I saw him shoot a load of people. I didn't see him do a lot of jumping. Neo and John Wick. Oh, Neo from John Wick. Right, okay. Okay. All right. Fair do enough. You, that. Do you not know Neo from John Wick? Yeah. What do you? Got, what? Anyway, let's go. <laughs> Fred slid to a stop. Not sure if he could make the jump, but Sid flew past him, left in the air did a front flip, and landed perfectly in a run. He swung socks and cut a pipe in half as it was in his way. Not to be outdone, Fred jumped Hulk-style and landed on the other side, taking out a few tiles with him. The figure turned around to see Sid hot on his trail. He took a gift out of his sack and threw it at, <laughs> back at Sid, hitting him right in the face. It squeaked as it hit, its, hit his tusks. Sid dropped socks, and, but quickly he turned it back into a cat and was running full sprint next to his friend. Fred got to another rooftop sand and sighed. How many of these things am I going to have to jump, he said, readying himself for another leap of faith. As he backed up a bit and used all of his strength to jump the void, which was much farther than the last few, midway through his jump, gravity took over and... Shit! He said as he fell down three stories and crashed into a dumpster. He rolled out onto the. He rolled out and grunted as he hit the ground. There's one! Shouted a member of an of the angry mob. <laughs> Soon, a street full of angry rioters waving clubs was descending upon Fred. What? No, I'm a man, you stupid cheesesteak eating jabronis. He shouted. <laughs> but soon realized he was covered in boxes and metal vents and tubes, making him look like an automobot. 
Well, piss, he said as the crowd started clanging away on its metal frame. <laughs> Up on the rooftop, click, 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 was the sound of a magical blunderbuster being loaded by the mysterious black fi- figure. That was a good sentence. Did you like that? Was great. I loved it. It's great. Okay. <laughs> That's the Christmas story. I just want to yeah, point yeah, that yeah, out. Yeah. The only as one. He jumped up to another rooftop, he deftly spun mid-jump and fired one shot at Sid. Sid's eyes went wide as he realized he was also mid-jump and couldn't change direction. With a thud, the bolt of white-hot magic hit him right in the chest, sending him backwards back onto the rooftop he had just leapt from. Slam! He slammed down onto the tiles and grabbed at his chest. (laughs) Let the boys be boys. Socks skid to a stop and turned around to look at his friend. It's okay, Socks, Sid groaned as he pulled open his tunic. It was only a level twenty-two caliber bolt. It's merely a flesh wound. <laughs> Socks still licked his friend's face he, as healing cat lick magic leached into Sid's body, <laughs> healing him quickly. Both Sid and Fred returned to the hideout. Well, Bigfoot's real and he's a real dick, Fred said as he grabbed a block of ice. <laughs> for his many club bludgeoning bruises. <laughs> you guys smell like butts that farted out poop, Chickpea said, <laughs> as she was dolling up Tina's hair into a style reminiscent of Chickpea's own hairstyle. <laughs> How do we find this piece of holiday shit, Sid said, seething with anger. Nobody shoots Sid. Nobody shoots Sid and lives to tell the tale. Nobody shoots Sid, lives to tell the tale, and lives to sire a child to pass down their Sid-shooting genes. (laughs) (laughs) All true. All true. (laughs) If we had, like, a lowly creature, we could, like, use it to find its scent. If it smells half as bad as you idiots, should be easy, Chickpea said laughing. Tina laughed too and popped a candy ruby into her mouth. Wait. Sid said as he smiled widely, I have an idea. The back garage door opened slowly as Radar Love began to play. (laughs) Inside, two boner cycles revved and shot out of the passageway, ding, at at lightning speed. (laughs) Atop one sat Fred with a cigar in his mouth. Sid was on the other. Both had sidecars for Chickpea and Peppercorn, who, who Peppercorn wasn't with them, having said, and I quote, Good luck on your nerd hunt, nerds. I have an all-sea cam girl to woo. <laughs> Chickpea sat in Sid's sidecar wearing goggles and cackling like a maniac. All right, let him loose. Wait, it's Fred. All right, let him loose, Fred shouted to Chick. Chickpea then whipped out her staff and swirled it around, teleporting Flyman on a leash up into the air. Oh, not again, he said as he began to fly reflexively. Use, use that huge snooter to sniff out some of that gross musk, Chickpea ordered. <laughs> A leash, really, guys, Flyman whined. This is just like my honeymoon. <laughs> just kidding. We never went on one because she was too busy at work. And honestly, we could spend that gold on better things like life insurance. And plus, I soon turned into a horrendous fly person, so... (laughs) Silence, mule, Chickpea said with another maniacal laugh. (laughs) Use the lamp on your head to see any hidden tracks, she commanded. 
Flatman man sighed and lit up a red lantern on his head like those old coal miner dudes had. <laughs> on Flyman, on Dick Swan, on Kristen, Chick P yelled using a small whip to whip Flyman. <laughs> <laughs> Tina chuckled as she lay hidden in Fred's sidecar underneath the cover. She peered out and popped another candy ruby into her mouth, smiling away. The boner cycles came to a slow halt at the foot of a large mountain. Mount Spooky brought to you by Chudweiser, Fred said ominously. <laughs> Fucking two Budweiser jokes? Yes. <laughs> Why did we let Megacorps name things again? Seems like a bad idea now. <laughs> Flyman landed exhausted from both the sheer amount of sniffing and the whip marks on his tiny bug booty. You did good, mule, Chick Pea said as she slapped him on the tiny butt. <laughs> good job, Flyman, Tina said emphatically as she popped out from her hiding spot. Each member of the Flamingos turned slowly to see a tiny elf girl with red sugar all over her face smiling. Well, piss, Fred said. <laughs> Kid, this is dangerous and you should not have come with, Sid scolded. It's okay. She's an orphan. No one will miss her, Chickpea said. <laughs> I'm not an orphan. I have moms that love me, Tina said. <laughs> Classic orphan denial. <laughs> Seen it a hundred times. Maybe I'll adopt her and, like, teach her my ways, Chickpea said, not listening to anyone but herself. I will rename her chick to nina <laughs> chick to wait chick to chick tina That's it. I can't spell. <laughs> And we will be unstoppable. After a long climb up the mountain, the adventurers found a large open valley. Inside, the valley glowed like one of those drive through Xmas things that people drive through and turn on their radios to listen to music. They might not have those in England, Rich. Cars, that is. I'm not sure what you guys drive to work. Lorries or some kind of tamed bear, maybe? <laughs> Bad badges. Badger. Oh, badgers. Like a I walk to work. Like a sleigh of badgers. Yeah, well, that's... but I walk to work. Oh, that's that's good. Good for you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm great. In the middle of the valley, <laughs> Bugfit was dancing and wrapping garland around himself. Goodbye Horses was playing as he twirled and twirled. <laughs> Won't you bug me? I'd bug me, he said weirdly <laughs> to no one. <laughs> this dude's fucking weird, man. Fred said, getting up and <laughs> getting up to turn back down the mountain. Sid grabbed him. Look, all the gifts. He's just hoarding them like a smog. <laughs> Crash Canyon, <laughs> Tina shouted. Just then, <laughs> the record scratched and stopped. Bigfoot looked straight up and saw the adventurer spying on his private dancey me time, as he liked to call it. <laughs> Aw, piss, Sid said with a sigh. <laughs> He and Fred slid down the scree of the mountain, and Sid landed in the, and landed. Uh, he and Fred slid okay, down the scree okay. of the mountain and landed in the valley, ready for a fight. We got there. You, you did it, buddy. <laughs> Do you guys want to see my favorite present I got this year? <laughs> Bugfoot said. He pulled out a set of skeleton keys and hit the skeleton key fob. Boop boop. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, a huge monster bone truck roared to life from underneath a mountain of gifts. It shot flames and black acrid soot from its horn-like exhaust. He he growled and an idol like a demonic cat until vroom! It reared forward inch by inch. 
Bugfoot was already inside the truck before Fred and Sid could fathom what the actual jumping the shark fuck was happening. (laughs) (laughs) Chickpea was still on top of the mountain guarding Tina. Shit, I need to make a call. Stay here, kid. Don't get double orphaned. (laughs) (laughs) The monster bone truck revved again and shot out and shot out from the gifts. On the side was a picture of Bugfoot, and it said Bugfoot in huge letter. <laughs> Bugfoot laughed as he drove straight forward the, toward the two. Fred and Sid both dodged the truck, barely missing them. It easily stood two to three stories above them. Flames singed their nostril hairs as the bone truck turned on a dime on two wheels and came at them again. I thought this was going to be like a classic Grinch situation, Sid said, <laughs> diving again out of the way. Yeah, I thought this guy was going to, like, grow another heart and become bipolar just like the Grinch does in that story, Fred said, <laughs> leaping left. <laughs> you fools, Pugfoot said, laughing. I don't want to learn the real meaning of Jonica. The real meaning for me is me getting gifts. Do you, do you know how many gifts a mythical creature gets for the holidays each year? Sid, Fred, Sid and Fred both said, Three, or like two or three, they said over each other. (laughs) Zero! Bugfoot shouted. If nobody thinks I'm real, why would they buy me a present? Would you buy me a present, Bart? (laughs) Who's Bart? Fred and Sid. Sid and Fred Fred both braced for the end. This truck was going to run them over, and it was going to suck. They squinted and braced for the impact, but... Another set of headlights shot onto them and Bugfoot. Muzzle tough, motherfuck, Gunk said from atop <laughs> hey! his own bone truck. Gunk! Inside, Chickpea and Tina were strapped into their seats. Bugbear turned around. Wait, why I call Bugbear? Bugfoot turned around, and the two bone trucks sat at either end of the valley. This skeletal mechanical joust was only going to end one way, with one of them in the dirt, like the dirt that they were. Jonica wasn't about presents. It was about bone trucks like that one outside. <laughs> Good time, It was man. about bone trucks and fucking up shit with your friends and loved ones and saving kids Jonica because you'd want your Jonica saved too. Amen. Oh. On the side of the once communal bone van of the flamingos were the words, Gunkasaurus Flex. (laughs) Both behemoths revved and lurched forward. Mattel, get up to us. Get us tall, man. (laughs) That's right, Hot Wheels, let's go. They make fucking, like, Yoda cars and shit. They do. Stupid. Pure horsepower and torque made the ground shudder as they both released the brakes and hurtled toward their destiny. Chickpea and Tina's smiles grew wider and wider, and the closer and closer they came to impact. Headlights blared into both cabins of the trucks, almost blinding both Bugfoot and Gunk until... (laughs) What? I wrote wrote Transformers sound here. I understood. We understood what it was. (laughs) Gunk hit a special red button, causing the van's side doors to burst open, revealing two gargantuan automaton arms. The arms flexed and grabbed Bugfoot, stopping it cold in its tracks. The arms then maneuvered around and flipped Bugfoot upside down as Gunkasaurus Rex did a flip front flip off of some presents and pile drove Bugberry to the dirt, (laughs) silencing it forever. 
Wow. Crash Crash Canyon, baby! <laughs> Tina yelled, laughing in excitement. <laughs> what the hell is that? shouted an orc on the street at Grawl. Coming down the street was a gigantic bone truck with a dwarf atop it, along with Chickpea and Tina. Ho, 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 mother truckers. <laughs> Happy Jonica, Gunk said from the top of the truck as he threw presents down to the boys and girls of the crowd. Everyone cheered as this bearded jolly man and his elf and gnome friend helped save <laughs> Jonica. Yeah, you think this is going to change anything for him? Fred asked uh, Sid, pointing to Gunk. I hope so. But for now, he's having a good time. That's all I care about. Sid smiled and cheered as Tina held up Crash Canyon the board game. Meanwhile, back at Mount Spooky, brought to you by Chudweiser. <laughs> guys? Guys, are you coming back for me? Flyman whined. <laughs> oh, I guess I'll walk. This is just like my honeymoon. The end. <laughs> Uh, oh fuck the only true christmas story and it was a great one yeah that's destined to become a a fan christmas favorite i mean it was so christmasy it was so christmas so christmasy i'm jealousy i'm ready to celebrate jonica instead to be honest (laughs) with you the eight days of jonica like the like the jonica bong yep yep we do it here it's a do all the doggy style sex yeah (laughs) Traditional Jonica sex. Yep. Yep. Everyone in, everyone in uh, Daranos is like, well, this is like a little tame for us, but it is the holidays, so we'll yeah. do some doggy yeah. style. Doggy yeah. style in Daranos is having sex with a dog man. That's what they call it. <laughs> oh my god. Stuff. Happy happy fucking Jonica to the dog man, I guess. Yeah. They need it too. They're, they're people. Half. So... Do, do regular people have to have sex with the dogmen? Or is it no. an optional thing? No, it's just that's what they called. No, no. You're not following if, at all. I didn't know if it did was you, just a festive. Did you get anything from this story, Rich? No. <laughs> this is the this is the man who had no Christmas in his story, so it makes yeah. perfect sense. There was a Christmas tree. It was snowing. Fuck you. Jonica is not about doggy style, Rich. What did I t- just tell you? I mean, I don't jive with any religion, so you know. <laughs> Jonica or is any, a secular government holiday. <laughs> any celebration where there is frivolity, I sh- I shun it. I. <laughs> Frown at it. The end. You should, as a British man, you should love it because Jonica is a bank holiday. Oh, that's true. I do love a bank <laughs> holiday. Extra day off work. That's right. That you got to be off work to have time to beat all those automatons up. Yeah. <laughs> Step foot in crawl, you bitches. <laughs> oh, that was good, man. That was I'm excellent. So, I'm so glad. That my story's over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Uh, Josh, Josh, oh, just as an aside, Josh does love recording this podcast. He's not always tired. No, I tired. do. I do. I'm just, does I'm he? so tired. <laughs> Look, we've, so had a, tired. we've had a rough couple of weeks. I'd say about two months of, maybe three months. I've had of, a rough couple of year. Mm, yeah, it's true. Uh, we heard your story. It's 
we we read between the lines. <laughs> God, I couldn't even imagine what's between the lines for what I wrote on the service. <laughs> it's it's thin, but you can see through it. Yeah. Uh, Let's hope the new year will be better, right? My resolution: uh, write better stories. I don't think that hmm. could, that's possible because no. you write the best stories already. No, that no. At least I wrote a Christmas story. Oh, yeah, that's true. Camera. You did. Yeah, looks like there's really no camera. <laughs> My plan is to deno- uh, donate all the money I raise for charity to the charity. <laughs> I mean, what immediately. A wild concept. Yeah. What a fucking wild concept. Yep. Uh, you know what? Piss- uh, this is a conversation for. Uh, yeah, yes. this is uh, this yeah. is the forty. This, epi- this episode after. is a. It was one and a half Christmas stories. <laughs> so hopefully you enjoyed. Look, there was snow in a Christmas tree. What more do you fucking want? Peace to all men. Not happening. <laughs> Not happening. You didn't even pile drive a monster truck into the dirt. No, as is traditional in Christmas stories. I've seen the even- miracle in Thirty Fourth Street. <laughs> You you didn't even lie to your own friends about what the story was. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't do that either. It's like I feel Man, like you I guys were like, down. "Should we do a one-off?" And you and you're both like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." And I was like, "Okay, cool. Like I can do that." Like, and then no it. one did it. And then nobody fucking did it. Yeah, nobody did a one-off. It's all in continuity. <laughs> <laughs> fucking horseshit. <laughs> Well, that's the thing you're going to have to learn about my stories is technically they're all in continuity. If none of them are, are all of them are. What? They're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, yours are. You're, you guys, you can't stop a fucking freight train when you guys are like just killing it. So I was going to try and think up a new character, but I didn't have the energy. I've got to admit my my uh energy and time levels are very very low at the moment you, you you're lucky you got a one, story one <laughs> two three four how many eight men were there there were four eight men and there a were chief. four eight men so you and... made seven or eight characters for this episode they all had the same voice though the eight men like you can tell them apart <laughs> i mean can you I mean, this is the man who called them Bigfoots, so Bigfoot's I understand why he would feet. say something so yeah. <laughs> fucked I up mean, about them. I mean, I've got to say I'm a Bigfoot racist. What have they done for society, right? <laughs> they, take a great, they take a great woods. photo. Yeah. Coming over here, stealing all our nature walks. John Lithgow falling in love with them and shit. <laughs> there are several references in this episode that I feel like no one is going to get. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's just far. That's far for the course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't get it because they don't they don't have the forty minute conversation afterwards. Um so with that we're gonna close the cover. Oh god, it's transforming <laughs> on today's episode. Um What do we do next? We to bring out the all sea ball. The all sea prompt ball. That's all uh, I got. Okay, hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, RC Ball. Uh, the first one is Trombones from Jacob Hicks. Did you say trombones? Trombones. What the, the sack fuck? Butt? What am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we're all and thinking then a it. Ghost trombone came out. Ooh. <laughs> 
<laughs> the ghost That's of it. a famous jazz musician. There you go. Yeah, that's free. You can take that. that. And then the that. second one is uh, miasma, which is an oppressive. What the fuck? It's like oppressive atmosphere, right? That emanates from something. Uh, miasma is like an evil smoke. Yeah. It's like e- My it's- mom has asthma. Is that the same? <laughs> no, miasma. it's miasma. Miasma. No, not her not, asthma. Not Linda's- Linda asthma. No. Sorry for the Let's, cough. It's just miasma. Oh, Jesus. People go. who might not know what miasma, miasma... It's like a vapor, yeah, like right? A, like, a like a fog. Yeah, unpleasant yeah. fog A highly vapor. unpleasant or unhealthy smell or vapor. Yeah. Oh, this should be easy. I got it. It's like a press. My story is already written. I'm done. <laughs> like the yeah, fog that rolls in when the ghost Titanic comes into town. Yeah, in the movie Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> yeah, in the movie The Titanic. <laughs> An oppressive or unpleasant atmosphere which surrounds or emanates from something. Yeah. Like, There's so um, many possibilities. Like the sex ghost from that episode of TNG where Beverly has sex with a candle. That's, oh, he's that a miasma. miasma. Yeah. Yeah. And that's from Nail 7. Thank you, Nail 7. And thank you, Jacob Hicks. Nail 1 through 6 sucks ass. <laughs> Only I Nail 7 rules. I'm not going to know what happens in Nail 7. Nail 7 up. That's what you gotta do. Um, right. What happened to that soda? Nail seven up yours. Remember that Orlando Orlando yeah. Jones? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Yet. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you missed out on Orlando Jones. You're the one who's on the bad end of things here. Take your yeah. beaver sled to work, there, British man. Badger sled. Jeez, what do you think oh, we sorry. are? Sorry, Welsh? Yeah, they don't got beavers. Well. <laughs> I know that that's that's funny because the Welsh fuck animals. Well, I'm not gonna say if they do or I don't. I live quite quite close to the Welsh, that so I'm not saying anything. That is up to the Welsh whether they want to or don't. Yeah, true. Dog doggy style, <laughs> beaver style, beaver. which isn't as good as it sounds. Um, yeah, the teeth, oh, uh, teeth. It's fun that big... Rich knows that. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get through the show. We're gonna get through. <laughs> We're going to get it through the end. Look, we have no energy left. It's the end of the year. Yep. Uh, we yep. just got to get through it. Big thank you to Vidizen for the use of his music. Uh, you can find out everything about Greg at vidizen.card.co. It's card with two R's. Similarly, you can find out anything about the podcast. Well, anything that's on the card.co at storylords.card.co. Uh, there's art on there. There's... Um, the, you the, got it. That's the it. Animated <laughs> opening that was created oh, yeah, by, yeah. by Nate, Nate Bit Gurney. Yep. Nate Bit. Um, which is great. We love it. Uh, Little mini profiles on us with links to our stuff. All that stuff. All that your, stuff. Your that mom Jeff is said. your mom's favorite positions. Yep. <sighs> All of them. Abandonment. Is that <laughs> I was gonna say far away. <laughs> nice. Great. Abandoned um, children think alike. Now, if you want to support the podcast um, at this time of need, this time of this festive period, um, <coughs> just so dank and cold tiny, in here, <laughs> tiny rich, <laughs> then you can head over to uh, patreon.com slash storylords and for as little as $5 a month, you can support the podcast. It's less than a cup of coffee. And I know I keep saying that, but you know, people drink a lot of coffee, man. 
just to have one less cup of coffee and just support the podcast that you're listening to, right? You don't even have to have one. You can yeah. have as much coffee just, as you want. Just have the same amount of coffee, but also give us $5. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly um, what I'm saying. But for $5, you get an awful lot of stuff. You get to join the Discord. You get to read our stories online. You get to suggest prompts. So if you thought, miasma? What the fuck is that? Why didn't they suggest frogs? Then French horns to go with the trombone <laughs> section. <laughs> then you could just pony up your five dollars a month, and you could do that. You could you could submit a better prompt. I know you've got it in you. I believe in you. Five dollars. Five dollars. You can. Do You're it. the smart ones. Um, <laughs> if you're paying us, you are. The better the prompt, the better the story. That's not always true, but um, the better sometimes the prompt. The sometimes it is the opposite. But for ten dollars, if you could reach into your pocket for two cups of coffee, you get if access you could reach to reach into your heart. <laughs> you get Sally Struthers. You get access to redesign by committee, which is our extra side podcast where we redesign an existing IP. Uh, we the last one we did was we created a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game from scratch. And it is the best idea for a video game starring the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that you'll ever hear. Best Did idea we put for a video Urkel game. In that one? Oh no. We should have. We should that's it's, a mistake. It's the best idea for a video game ever, period. It yeah, doesn't it's need to It's gonna this. win game of the year for ten straight years. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fuck you. Because we're gonna re release it. it on every system like Skyrim. <laughs> Just like Baldur's Gate 3 is doing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and for twenty dollars, if you're one of those podcast listeners, then you can uh, get all that, the PDF of our upcoming book early, and create a credit in the book itself. And sometimes I do stuff like name characters after you and things like that because uh, that sounded yeah. so insulting. By the way, if you're what one of say? those podcasts, oh no, I mean <laughs> by those, but the those was like those. Yeah, one of those. If you're one of those fucking freaks, then you can help us out. <laughs> I mean, all the best. Access to Reese's OnlyFans. Uh, well, the thing is, like, <laughs> we've talked about, you know, what else we could do for the Patreon, uh, for the Patreon, and I think that actually a lot more stuff would probably come under the twenty dollar range if yeah, we wanted yeah. to. You know, maybe we make the twenty dollar range a bit more lucra- uh, lucrative for people. And actually, yeah. like we've got some ideas. Maybe we'll talk about them in the next show when we, we sign them off. No, I've got some ideas. We have ideas. Um, oh, we got tons. Of we ideas. got We're fucking all ideas. tons of ideas. We've written thirty-five I'm, I'm consecutive kidding. stories. If ideas were chlamydia, I'd have to go to the emergency. Yeah, room. he's riddled with ideas. Riddled. <laughs> I'm riddled. They're coming out in pustules. Yeah, they are very sore ideas. They hurt me. That's They're so good, they hurt. This guy has so many ideas that it's catching. You can mm. get them if you get yeah. too close to it. I'm in quarantine yeah. for ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Some call it he a got, think he tank. Got all of his, he got all of his ideas from a hooker. <laughs> All the great, all the great writers of history have Jeff. Yeah, it's true. That's probably uh, Steinbeck, uh, Mozart. I don't know. <laughs> hey, Mozart wrote Mozart. music. That works. Hey, yeah, he's a writer. The guy who, the guy who wrote uh, Sense and Sensibility. It wasn't a guy. <laughs> no. Anyway, Mm-mm. that's it's a no-brainer to become a patron, um, and you get like genuinely, you get access to one of the best discords. 
that there's ever been. Yeah. There are no uh, fights, no arguments. Uh, everyone's really nice. Everyone, like, does... You get access to, like, fan art for the podcast. Oh, been yeah. Lo- not been thing, a lot. The thing that's, like, coolest in there, by the way. Sorry to interrupt for the 50 millionth time. That's all the right. The thing that's coolest... This is Story is Lords. There, there is a, uh, a writing club in the mm-hmm. Discord made up of uh, people who are, you know, fans of the show who want to use the prompts or generate their own prompts to create and swap stories with each other in order to get better at writing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hypest shit in the world. Yeah. And they meet every... All proceeds also go to the charity of our choosing that we actually donate to and won't be stolen by any other member of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> We're just lying to them now. Yeah, the charity's <laughs> us. If we if we donate to a charity, it will go there. Yeah, absolutely. If. Which we do on M class, by the way. Oh, we do that on M class. Yeah, we don't do that on this one. Rich is we like, don't do no charities. I won't no fucking charity. give money I, to these pavos. I give thirty-seven and a half hours a week to a charity. Oh, that's, that's true. true. Yeah. So charity's not getting anything else from me. I donate blood and sweat to a charity. Uh, anyway, you should give I them money. To charity because she's a stripper. And oh, she gives you ideas in return. So yeah, so many scorching ideas. So many sweet <laughs> hot ideas. So um, many burning when I piss ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the show. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can't till the end of the show season. Uh, so you're gonna have to just wait for that. <laughs> Uh, I think we had an email recently. Oh, did we? Yeah, I think we did, but I can't be bothered to check. I don't know, I don't know where my phone is. Um, I could check, I could check, I could check. Hold on a second. Play me out, Johnny. Waka <laughs> <laughs> waka. I got it, I got it. <laughs> uh, did we have an email? No. Oh. oh. I thought we did have well, an email. Well, we lied again. Recently. What do you know? Oh, somebody sent Pavlov Flinch fan art. Oh, nice. There you go. Oh, yeah, we got an email. Do you want me to read the email? Yeah, why not? Yeah, we got an email from Fred, and it <laughs> says, Hello, lords. Hello, Hello squire. <laughs> I listened to Fantasy Fiction, and I didn't even realize this podcast existed. Aww. I'm about to try out M-Class and Toon Hounds. Hell yeah. Hey. <gasps> Diversification. Oh, I, l- I love the description of Pavlov Flinch, and I love to draw when I get inspired, so I'm inspired by it. I'm only on episode six, but I'm sure it only gets better. Can't wait to get my ass exploded by your stories? Yeah, that happens. <laughs> Yours in story, Fred. And there Dang, is just Fred. a beautiful fucking drawing of Pavlov Flinch. <laughs> I love it so much. I'll, uh, uh, I don't think I can share it with you. Oh, yeah, download it. Yeah, don't. We'll, we'll see it later. I'm going to download it anyway, so... Oh, cool. You will Um, see it later, two seconds from now. Hey! (laughs) One. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) I'm trying so hard. Still not here. There. (laughs) Hey, it's coming. Oh, Oh, yeah! Hey! (laughs) This is, like, one of the perfect renditions of Pavlov I've ever gotten. I love the stain. Yeah. Oh, that man cool. needs some clothes that fit. <laughs> that is going directly into my fan art folder that I keep on my phone to look through and giggle. Thank you so much, that, Fred. That man needs a lifestyle change that fits. Uh, that man we- needs a therapist. <laughs> <laughs>
there is a bunch of type cool uh, fan art that uh, people have done. Um, every time you send a piece of fan art, anyone I'm talking to here, uh, we get a real kick from that. Uh, it's just great. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's so good. Um, if if you want to do that, you can get in touch. Uh, it's mainly just join the Discord. It's just easier. Then you can share it with like-minded fan art producers. Um, yeah. Is there anything else we want to promote before we leave? Josh's idea machine, maybe? No, no, she's mine. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, have a good holidays. It's, that, I know you were listening to ago. this. Mm-hmm. Yesterday was probably the day of yeah. the thing. I don't know. But uh, don't drink and drive. <laughs> have a good idea. New Year. That'll still be... About to happen. It's my birthday. Oh, oh wait, no, it's my ah, birthday. <laughs> wait, New Year's, but I don't get to see you. That's so true. Whatever. That's true. It's my fourth New Year's Eve. That's why I hate it. New Year's Eve. Yeah. December thirty first. Indeed. Wow, that's crazy. I'm gonna be going on holiday for a few days to the New Everyone, Forest. That's vacation. That vacation. Yeah. Everyone shoot a tweet or a what the, what the fuck are they called? Uh, Skates, blue Zoom. skates, <laughs> blue skates, <laughs> blue skates. Send a blue skeet or a tweet to Rich Masters and tell him happy birthday on the thirty first. That would be really nice. Thank you. I need it. It's my fortieth. It's it's <laughs> at Masters Rich for both of them, right? Yeah, it's I think not so. Your fortieth. It is. Wait, it is. It is. No, it's your thirtieth. No, I wish it was. We're doing Fran Drescher rules here. (laughs) Yes and, Rich, not don't write a Christmas story. Okay. Right. Right, Is it at Masters Rich for both of them? I think it is. I I don't know where my phone is. I'm friends with you. What type of millennial are you? I don't know know where your phone is. I don't know where it is. I've not even. It's in my bed. Mm. (laughs) In the phone bed next to your bed. I have, dude. You joke. I do have a little pillow. I put my phone. On. Jesus fuck. I guess it got good night, phony. <laughs> yeah, it, on Blue Sky, it's richmasters.bsky.social. Wow, I got actual rich masters. Yeah. Huh. I got actual Jeff Pennington as well. I'm pretty excited. So nice. did I. <laughs> Sucker. Oh, you're definitely gonna get Jeff Pennington. <laughs> it's me, Jeff. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Like, tokusatsu. <laughs> this is a good episode for awkward pauses, if you love that. Yeah. yeah Thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, we all wish you a happy festive period. I uh, hope you had a nice whatever. And uh, we hope that you stay with us for a whole nother year of Story Lords, because we need you. Bye. The Lords have spoken. <laughs> we love you. Bye. The lords bestow their love upon you, peons. I'm raining my white heart love all over your faces. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Oh, skate, skate, motherfucker. 